All right, gang, welcome back to another Out of the Rough Golf podcast. It's been a hot minute, but we got the uh, crew back together. We got myself, Kid, and Ryan back in the house, but not actually in the house, all in separate houses, but we're here and we're talking some golf. Um, we're in the heart of the beginning of the season of the PGA Tour. Um we're going to go through probably a little bit of the waste management here for the first part of the show. Um, this past weekend, tonight is Monday night. Um, Riv just finished up, and we'll go through both those tournaments a little bit. Um, don't worry about that. That little guy was just a little guy. But that little uh, guy? Yeah. You don't need to worry about that little guy. Don't worry about, <laughs> don't that, little guy. Worry about that little guy. He's nobody. But, uh, yeah, waste management. Um always one of my favorite tournaments of the year um it's the tournament that got me to first start enjoying watching golf um you know i was going to a friend's uh or super bowl party and uh the waste management was on before it um it was the year that uh rick and hideki went into a playoff and hideki ended up getting the dub but uh that's when rick stole my heart and i was like that's my guy right there just his vibe, his overall just appeal to the masses, and you know, I'm sure you know, orange course, pants at that time. Nah, not orange pants. He was looking snazzy. I don't know if he if he was rocking orange pants. I don't know if I would have uh, been so appealed to him to be honest. But it was just a clean. There was orange involved for sure, but it was a clean sure. Puma outfit. But no, I was uh, I was stoked just. Uh, I was like, oh, this is this is golf. Like, of course, like it's a crazy event. Like that's not golf week in, week out. But like to me, I was like, oh, shit, this is pretty dope. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a cool tournament. Um, I would say it's cooler than cool. It's it's really like it's ice cold. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. (laughs) But yeah, I it's it's one of my favorite tournaments of the year i would say like i honestly enjoy it more than like the pga championship maybe like it's that up there for me well now uh, for sure good. after yeah. after all that's happened who cares oh, about last year's pga yeah no i'm I'm jumping the timeline here um it does no, feel I, like a kickoff to the season though like so the Super Bowl happens, football is over. For me, this is like the great transition where you're like, all right, we get waste management and then it's golf season. Like Sunday is now golf day and it's such a good event, but it is a, a turning of the, the pages for me. So I completely agree, Dave. Yeah, I think the I think the Phoenix Open is one of the tournaments that has an actual identity and identity, as you astutely point out, Dave, that's probably more galvanized than the PGA championships. They've always struggled to have an identity. I think it's noteworthy that that's the tournament that got you into golf. Um, because I think it's what a lot of people tout as like what golf needs more of. And they talk about like, well, it's, it's more of what we don't want golf to be though, because we don't want it to be all sorts of rambunctious and like fratty and whatever, and like party and then- animals but just uh, to interject real quick it's not like what got me into golf but it's what got me into viewing golf right like uh-huh. i had been playing golf for a while and i had been having fun playing golf but like it i never really enjoyed watching it on tv but watching that in that time that waste management in particular rick being involved and just liking his vibe and then the tournament being unlike really any other golf tournament 
just all of it together just caught my eye and made me, you know, intrigued and, you know, captivated at the TV when I wasn't expecting to be at all. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that being like a good kind of honeypot situation for a lot of viewers that are kind of taken aback by it being golf is still, you know, I would, I would point out to the fact that, yeah, it may not be exactly what people want every week on the PGA tour or, or golf to be when they're viewing it. But it also was the transition that you got to get to where you are now where you're a golf sicko. You watch almost golf every single week you're plugged into the the deep nether regions of golf Twitter and all sorts of shit that's going on. So like you're more of a, like a diehard golf viewer than anyone who would have otherwise been like more of a dedicated golf fan than you that was tuning into all the majors and maybe some of the more premier PJ tour events. You went from getting shoehorned in by the Phoenix open and now probably watch more golf than 99% of people out there. So you know, to anyone who's saying that like this is growing the game in the wrong way can kindly see the door because they just don't understand how this works. Like people will have an appetite for consuming and learning a sport um, at their own pace and leisure. It doesn't matter the real vector they come in through. 100%. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it's crazy how it snowballed, you know, like, yeah, I mean, you broke it down pretty much perfectly. Like uh, I'm a I think sicko is probably the right word. Um, I know probably way too much about golf, uh, but I, I just have an obsessive personality. Like, you know, I kind of, we can call it what it is. It's an addiction. It's fine. Yeah. It's an addiction, but like, it's a, I would consider it a healthy healthy addiction compared to most addictive things. But yeah, I mean, any, any athletics throughout my life, I kind of focus in on one thing, become immersed and obsessed with it. Um, but yeah, that's just me. And now it's golf for the time being. It might be just croquet sometime in my later years. I mean, I, I've been I've been getting just deep in the curling scene from the past couple of weeks. So, uh, Dave, I might be able to get you some some collateral, some some material. Do they got any maybe... wild tournaments where they get hammered at? Dude, I, would, <laughs> I think I can all only of imagine. I'm not sure if you Olympics. saw our U.S. team, but they were some fucking homies. They were, yeah. they looked like they came straight from the trailer park to come curl. It was sick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just to the essence of waste management in general, like the 16th hole, it's grown so much over the years. The whole tournament has grown so much. But uh, I mean, I think this year in particular was quite the scene on the They 16th. jumped the shark on that shit, though. God Bro, damn. I was going to say, they, they might the have shark. taken it too far. Yeah, it means like they played themselves out pretty quickly. Like it became played out with throwing the beer cans on for fucking everything. Yeah, I mean, that's I they mean, ruined the good thing. Basically, it's, it's the yes. it's the people there, though. I you know, I I think the crowd there, if you were there, probably was like that was fucking awesome. You know, like I think TV it probably wore out like for viewing and maybe people like working it like having to clean it up it was a pain in the ass but like i guarantee every person there or at least the majority of the people there had a great experience and really loved it oh a thousand percent and i can understand like the golfers being pissed off because they're having to wait for it to get cleaned up and it makes the tea to, or like the pace of play even that much slower and, and no i'm not saying i'm not saying that that's okay and i understand like the paint that can't lay putt like it got 
bounced or something because of a mark a beer can made or whatever but that's one of those things like that's what you kind of sign up for with this phoenix open i'm not saying like it should obstruct play like yes probably a line was crossed but we also got the fucking joel damon and harry higgs moment where they fucking took the shirts (laughs) off and that and we had two aces like i think all of that combined just kind of made it for that the crowd to like not made not made it for them but that's like why they were so like apt to throw cans immediately yeah like, for the whole sure. week there was a lot of stuff going yeah. on there like there's a so reason I, like that hasn't really ever happened before like there there's been plenty of opportunities for it to happen before it just hasn't and the fact that we had some crazy shit happen um i think is why it happened and once it, once it again it's a snowball thing like oh it's okay for us to throw fucking beers on the fucking green i guess that's what we're doing when everybody gets pumped up for something now yeah so, it is- yeah I think that's kind of what he was talking about there with jumping the shark. Like when someone hits an ace, that's fucking awesome. Fairly cans do the thing. Like that's going to happen once every five years. But like when Joel Damon and Harry Higgs both make par, it's raining beers. Like, well, they didn't just make par. They they took their shirts off off. and were riling up the crowd. So they were egging them on. Yeah, you know, so, so they, they threw were beers for that. They threw beers <laughs> in for chippins. They like they, it. Just it, it, I'm not like saying like I I don't no. not I don't What's dislike the fix fun. for that though. Like they just tell people like if we catch you throwing beers, like you get kicked out. Type there of is thing, no like case. on the way in. I I mean yeah. I would say yes because there's just no chance they won't be able to fill those seats at 16 immediately after that. Yeah. Like like. And I, once again, I'm not against fun. I'm just against people being played out as shit and being drunk, like, yeah. like and just like jumping the shark. Like it just, it's cool for Carlos Ortiz. It's cool for, oh God, I can't believe I'm already forgetting the other person who aced it. It was, uh, and Carlos Ortiz wasn't even the first person. Uh, uh, Carlos Ortiz was Friday or was No, Saturday. he was second. Sunday, the first was... one. Are you sure? God. Kyle something it, maybe? No, it was. Whatever, really some fucking for... no-name guy on the PGA Tour fucking made an ace. Damn, that's fucked up, man. That feels shitty. I really it, thought Carlos. I mean, I don't, I don't like that. Three of us who pay way more attention to golf than most I was people don't. Live, yeah, don't but... know his name. That's like essentially that's what he is. He's it a was no-name guy. No, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't want to do him dirty like that. I can remember. So. Sam Ryder. Was, Sam Ryder. Sam Ryder. Sam Ryder. I have a feeling kid yep, just yep, looked yep. at it on the screen. He looked at it and then he's like, well, <laughs> let, let me let me think about it real quick. And then Dave, put his head down. It's a podcast. Nobody saw him doing it. Yeah, this. I know. That's why I had to tell everybody what he did. He fucking looked <laughs> yeah. over because I saw a screen light up. I started scrolling the, the leaderboard looking for it, but I'm like, how am I going to find someone by just looking at a yeah, leaderboard? Like, that's kind of impossible. Like, how am I going to like uh, remember someone who got it by looking at a leaderboard? Okay, well, kid remembered. Either way, it was I just don't like how you're just a, you're like just trying to do this guy so dirty now that I can't even re- I could possibly I never, recollect his name. I wasn't trying to do him dirty. I just you call him a no name PGA Tour player. <laughs> I don't know. That's hey, not doing someone dirty. Hold he's on. not a no name Corn Ferry Tour player. I, what I would at you least I did him the service. Sam now, Ryder. now Dave is throwing shade at an entire sub tour. That's like, <laughs> Dave, you're just digging a hole, bro. Hey, you're <laughs> putting the throwing shade thing on it. I'm not throwing any shade. I'm just 
telling it like it is. All right, I'm, I'm, my last they, response. They'll probably be like, if they ever heard that, be like, oh, that fucking no-name podcast guy who had they'll no never listeners. Hear this. And you wouldn't feel like throwing shade at you as if they called yeah, you a no-name like, podcaster. I'd be like, damn, dude, I'm probably going to get some more viewers or listeners because of that. <laughs> and get out of the shade. <laughs> Dave's like, can you at me on Twitter? <laughs> the shade? Like, at least let your followers see. <laughs> Whatever. Props to Sam Ryder for making it. Yeah. I remembered it truthfully. And Carlos Ortiz, yeah. he was on my team last year, so I more readily remembered him. And he was, uh, you know, he was in the news about his celebration with Joaquin, even about Riff. So that's top of mind as well. Regardless of all those facts, the waste management was a good good event. 16 is still cool. It's not completely played out. The beer throwing is getting played out. It was cool for Tiger's Ace. It was cool for Sam Ryder and Carlos Ortiz. Did they aces. throw beer for Tiger's Ace? That's where it started. Uh, yes. Well, there there was no. I don't remember seeing was, beers flying on there the was no green for that. Are you guys serious? God. There was no grandstand. Dude, I've seen Watch that video. ace so they didn't many have times. The grandstand. Oh my they god! Had, it did. was surrounded, but there's no. Oh, I can't believe we got this on recording. You guys aren't true golf fans. True golf. Yeah, like, what you guys are, are you fake. talking about? It was surrounded, but they didn't have the full grandstands like they have now. They didn't have the grandstands. People went. I never that. said they had grandstands. I said they. But I don't remember seeing beers on the green. When he was walking up and shit, I remember him pumping up the roof and shit like that. While like, people were throwing beers. Yeah. I don't well, remember again, seeing the beers. So the beers couldn't get to the green because they're not in the grandstands, but I'm sure they were throwing and going crazy. And there were Maybe. probably more you, people. You, you found all. an exit, Ryan. You can stay alone. You found your little doorway out of this without the grandstand thing. I didn't see them throw. Over. But Dave, without question, is you're on the island. Ryan, you snaked your way off of it, sort of. The more true <laughs> listeners know you're full of shit. I don't no. know what island I'm fucking on. Like, I just don't remember beers being thrown. Not that like, you don't remember being beers thing? being thrown, but saying that they weren't thrown. <laughs> Well, I was pretty sure that there weren't any beers being thrown. Like I it was the most iconic know. ace of Tiger's career, most likely, and it without and question is what started the beer throwing. I just definitely thought it was because it was at fucking the Phoenix Open on sixteen, and there was a bunch of people around, and they went crazy. I didn't. I literally don't remember seeing beers like last weekend. It's, it's not to say that that doesn't materialize in the moment. Like, I don't think everyone in the crowd is like, oh, we should recreate Tiger's ace beer throws. Like, people probably still just do it. But, like, that's what yeah, like, all of media sent around. I literally do not think it was anything compared to what it was last weekend. I'm sure it wasn't. But, again, that's because yeah. they, no, they weren't above it to where they could get them on the green. Like I It's easy to say that when there's literally empty. 10 times more people there now because of grandstands. But the, the, right. the, the, the atmosphere is still electric when someone does it, and they, that's sure. when they begin throwing the beer cans for the first time. I Listen, feel like no one was arguing hairs. that it wasn't a, a crazy good moment in golf or anything like that. I just literally said I didn't remember seeing any beer cans or i didn't think there were any beer cans thrown there i this was the first time i thought it had ever happened there so you know it was the most ridiculous i feel like this year but again we're we're getting back to the the beer cans i feel like we should dive into the actual tournament it was a big it, it was moment pretty man. exciting too and it was it was just a, it was a hole that actually was consequential. Like it, it yeah. I think that those last three hole stretches, you could even go into fifteen before sixteen because that par five is so pivotal. Those last yeah. four holes are like must see TV coming down the wire every single year. Phenomenal. Like it's it's a yeah. masterfully put together four hole stretch that I think like deserve to get put up there with some of the best four hole stretches on the tour. The only issue right now is that technology broke eighteen. But besides that, like everything else is still pretty fucking 
solid. Like, I think it, yeah. if anything, te- technology may have fucked up 17 because everyone can go into the water with like a fucking three, like the, a five wood. The fix yeah. to 18 is just making the pond go in right and up towards the green more. Oh, yeah. Just dig the pond out. I guess they could still keep blowing it out further right, but I don't know. It'd make it harder to fit for sure. But yeah, I don't want. I just think the easier fix. Uh, we don't need to get on the whole technology, yeah, but like I'm, I'm, ball, I'm, I'm done fixing back, courses yeah. because of technology. Yeah. Well, we can get into that when we talk about Tiger at Riv. But they could say no drivers on 18, just a sign <laughs> right at the tee box. Just a sign, five wood or less. <laughs> the, the courses. Imagine, like, imagine if you course, do that. Like you're, yeah. you're like strategically what grabbing. It, like, local, local rule. Local rule it's, is it's uh, no drivers like, on this whole. That would be an interesting. Class. That would be an interesting thing though, because then you'd have to be like, okay, guys, we're playing the Phoenix Open. Like you can use driver on every hole except for 18. Do we want to leave driver in the bag? Like kind of thing. It's like, well, maybe Phil, you yeah, drive in the bag, but then I move up from a five wood to a three wood for the rest of the Phil game. has it. Phil has a driver in the bag. Just on the bottom is written three wood. <laughs> Sounds like something he'd do. Yeah, for sure. That was the, uh, just a piece of duct tape on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The uh, the point being is that like it's besides eighteen recently because you can everyone can carry the water and those church pew wannabe bunkers like yeah. aren't really that penal. And then like they most definitely can, do something, but. Like if they hit it over there, how it used to be, it's definitely easier than it is I mean, now. Wasn't Scotty in the bunker uh, when he won the tournament? I mean, who can he played it seventeen times? <laughs> I know he did. And the and the Super Bowl was going on at the same time. Like I can't say I was super like like. I was watching like, on my phone at the Super Bowl party. We were like, lo- we were watching on a laptop, but yeah, yeah. like I can't. I don't know if he was in the bunker on the approach shot. What I do remember is that Scotty fucking had a putt to win it, didn't win it, and then went into a bunch of playoff holes. And I was pretty certain Dave was losing was faith be. quickly. <laughs> I was, I I was just, certain it's Scotty hard to win. Good. It's hard to win. Like I've been there, but it seems like it's hard to win. Like if you have a putt that's relatively, you know, straightforward on 18 to win the golf tournament and then you miss that and they're going into a playoff like it's like you know it's yeah. not exactly the momentum, the momentum doesn't feel like it's in want. your favor yeah exactly yeah. and i and i and it's great to know that scotty can deal with that and come through and win especially against though. someone like cantley who's just like ice cold like he literally you know, has just, ice water in his veins yeah i don't I think literally but i do get what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> you like walk into Excuse his like me. trailer before the tournament and they have like buckets of like gator those just like gatorade five gallon yeah. things and it's like have you guys I seen silicon valley with blood boys he has like yes. his ice ice boys <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. oh man the point the point uh, being is that i i like the holes a lot and 16 was actually uh pretty pivotal this year uh and in in particular impact on the person who i think was really bringing a lot of vibrancy and color to the uh the, the, the entire like weekend and I think was bringing a cool twist and perspective to what we see every day uh, on the tour. And that was with uh, Sri Thagala, like the guy yes. was going after it and like he had an opportunity to take the tournament by the balls and just yeah. end it on 16 more or less. And just like a real, real tough break of uh, it was hard. And he had a 54 hole lead, correct? Like he led that thing wire to wire all the way through Saturday. If I yeah, remember so correctly. like and he had a he had the, the 
finale. Yeah. He, he had the best opportunity to go one more up, put the position out with like a makeable putt on 16, misses it, and then yeah. follows it up feeling like he's in a pressure, pressure cooker where he needs to step up and hit a shot. And he tries to go for it on 17. I think goes yeah, in the water. Rolled over. Yeah. And that's yeah. such a fucking hard shot. I mean, I don't know what you do there if you lay up like what I would do differently. I don't know because he just like it it trickled across the green and into the water. I I don't know that I approach it differently if I'm him, but you're bummed with the way it played out for sure. Yeah, I I, I want to say and I would have to think back on the past few years, but I think almost every year the tournament is either won or lost on 17, 17. on Sunday. Like you're either you either lost the a tournament on that hole that's, or you won that's it. That's how Ricky fucking lost it in the playoff. He fucking hit his drive too far on 17. 17 is just a really good hole for yeah. a stretch. A drivable par four where you can lose it in the water or left. Even if you lose it in the water, you can still get up and down for par. But like, I don't know. It's a good risk reward hole. Um, yeah. Well, and that's where he I, I think to his and chip it's entertaining. shot was not good to go up and down to save par because he bogeyed that hole. He didn't even yeah he make it. up and down from over there, so he gave the stroke back and then had it's not an easy up and down bogey. though. Like and no, then last not. year, fucking Brooks had his chip and eagle. Like just a lot of shit yeah. happens there, man. Yeah, yeah, which exactly. is really exciting. Super fun. That's what I said. Like, I, I think it's a solid four hole stretch. I'd like them to make some adjustments to either equipment or the hole, I guess, on 18 to make that more interesting because it's more or less like a snoozer coming in. Like, it, if they hit the fairway, like it's over. Like, no one's bogeying that hole from the I fairway. I think they should do the yeah. fucking sign at the local rule. <laughs> it's the Mo Willie no, driving range. No rule. drivers. Or no, you can leave drivers. driver, but everyone has to play with a wool bound ball. <laughs> <laughs> Here's you your 18 like a, hole ball. You have a bucket, <laughs> a bucket of balls as they walk up. Just sitting there. <laughs> so, how do y'all feel about the replaying 18? Because I, I don't like. I hate the playoff rules, media, but I fucking hate it. Are you like, kidding me? Like playoff on 16 get, in the Coliseum. I get, I get yes. the uh, like why they do it, like for, for sure. efficiency and like you're already running close on for time. Sure. It's Super Bowl weekend, like, but even for any tournament, like they usually yeah. just play 18 again, and it's because everybody's already there. Like if they go to 16, people are gonna have to walk over there and the grandstands are gonna fall down with people. And whatever in. it may be, like yeah. I get it, but especially for like a tournament like that, like the Coliseum, as kids said, like it would be just such a fucking perfect hole for that yeah, yeah. you do exactly. 16 and then every single time you tie the hole the next hole you pull a club from the opponent's bag and then if you go again <laughs> you pull another club and we're losing putters we're losing wedges we're losing everything okay. right away see and i i would like them to play the par fives like do, do something that's interesting where there's that just takes reward. long though like that's I know the it issue takes a long time but like that's why the par three could be guys, sick though yeah the par three would be good i just like I hated watching this whole the way they had the whole cut for this. Birdie putts were not going to drop for the most part unless you hit a perfect approach. So I was like, all right, everyone's going to make well, par, fucking and we're going to do the a four boy, chef He did nailed a very, long birdie, bro. Yeah, it took him fucking four tries. <laughs> like, hey, sometimes it, it takes four tries, you know. I know. I'm just saying, like, I it was actually five tries because he fucking parred the goddamn hole. I know. But yeah. Yeah, I just think invite some risk reward. You've got a par five. You've got 280 in. Are you going to hit your three wood? Or are you going to lay up and just take your birdie? I don't know. That's a, yeah, a I discussion think it for another comes time. Down up to the logistics and just all the people are already there at 18. They're running out of daylight. Time. If it crosses past 
uh, five playoff holes in a row, like they've missed five times, they get to select someone from the crowd to play on their behalf. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Just so any up the variability a little bit, and then they I have really to give that wish. person one percent of the earnings. Yeah, I really wish someday before I pass away or stop watching golf that a couple of homies will uh, uh i'll pass away before i stop watching golf <laughs> um anyways the yeah two homies are going to get into a playoff and just do a one club challenge on the playoff like we're doing seven yes, irons only I that. like i, I really that. hope cool. that that happens before i i, I was expecting I, something far more like <laughs> i don't know like it's heartfelt, meaningful, like big, like one club challenge in the playoff. <laughs> that's my dying wish. Can you no, imagine that's not my dying wish? I just hope that that happens because I like I in my head it's like I I think like Jordan and JT if they ever get in a playoff they would totally like I feel like it would maybe take like someone from the crowd be like seven irons only and then they like look at each other and it's like oh shit yeah maybe we could do that and that'd be fun but you know so let's just say a normal playoff that's around a five hundred thousand dollar hole of golf no it's like closer to like 750 maybe like i think it's a pretty steep drop off i think the winning is like 1.6 1.5 and the other yeah and they're closer to 900 so a seven hundred thousand dollar one club playoff would be amazing. I mean, if it's but Jordan and JT, they both I mean, yeah, are loaded. They don't like, care. But yeah, they're they're I making a bunch it. of money regardless. And that's money is a big deal, deal, man. Money's a big deal to millionaires. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll fucking get into <laughs> it. But like it's a big deal. I think I think you know, I think it, it'd be like yeah. Like I, I said, what, I think JT and Speeth are really the only hope we have. <laughs> for yeah. that to happen yeah i don't know maybe uh, harry higgs and joel damon <laughs> actually yeah <laughs> yeah definitely. if that that would be quite the playoff to be had all right like i i'm gonna put this in policy right now if the ranger cup ever ends in a complete tie it will come down to a captain's one club playoff the captains have to play each other yeah one club on whatever hole they'll let us back on to but yeah. that feels appropriate. Guess what? It'd probably be 18. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably. But yeah, I, I'm down for that. We can yeah. implement that. It'll never happen. Fun. But if it does. Don't, never say never, man. Yeah. Never say never. But yeah, I mean, kid was touching on Thigala. Um, yeah, so. I, I respect how much like aggression and like determination i think commitment and he has to every swing that he makes you you see a lot of guys in his position playing very defensively playing very conservatively and just like hoping the tournament comes to them like i give complete props to him that he never took his foot off the fucking gas absolutely he brought all the heat and i really thought he was going to do it and he'll get more exemptions because of his performance this year but i mean he's been, been playing good like yeah I, I think he can even earn it on off of merit like i think he yeah. can get it out there because of like i think he's got the game you know there's tons of people that you feel like they kind of like had their week and it's like right man he took advantage of when he had his hot streak and you know we'll see you next time you might get one but he seems like the kind of guy who you know he can he'll he be can, around he'll, he'll be around again we, it won't be the last time we talk about him that's that's for yeah. sure I agree. um all right, I don't. I I've put this off long enough. 
the fucking chef, boys. The boy chef. chef got his um, first fucking PGA Tour win. It was sick. So, I mean, it's we knew it was coming. We knew the day was coming, but yeah, it's a great venue for him to do it at. You know, lots of great guys have won at this venue for their first time. Yeah. The, the boy Brooks Capco got his first win at the Waste Management. So, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the way that he did it, you know, him going out and shooting, you know, 62 on Saturday to get himself completely back in it being like, I don't know, like 10 shots yeah. off the lead. Crazy. Yeah, I was then... worried about him missing the cut because he's on my fantasy team after fucking Thursday. I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, shit. Like, oh, no. I was like, come on, chef. And then he clawed <laughs> back into it. Yeah, yeah, he did more than that. So, the, I mean, that that was impressive as fuck, just shooting 62. Like, there, that's not an easy place to do I it. I mean, even um, even on Sunday with him coming, I mean, the, the beginning of the back nine on Sunday, it's like not even sure if Chef's really, like, quite in the mix or not, you know? Like, I mean, he, he, he four birdies in the last six holes. Like, that's where he started yeah. making up his ground. Yeah. He put the gas on. So, you know, he... he Chef can get hot, dude. He can get hot in the oh, kitchen. Yeah. He'll cook well, it up, man. Look, being in a playoff with Cantlay is no joke. Ask Bryson how that goes. Like, that's not an easy task. And he fucking put it to him. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm so stoked for him. And it looks like this form is sticking around. He played well at Rib this week. Like, yeah. I think Dave's got a great horse in his stable with Chef. You know, kudos to Dave. Glad seeing people putting respect, but you know, behind his name, he deserves it. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins again this year. Uh, he's a big boy; he shows up at majors as well. So, I think one of you guys has Dave has him picked to win the PGA at Southern Hills. I think, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, good chance there, close to his home. So, yeah, I think this won't be the last we see of uh, old uh, old Scotty. chef. And by old, I mean the man. He's a vet. He's it's like second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the tw- 25 going on 45. Yeah. Yeah. I'm stoked that he got his dub under his belt. And uh, I don't think it'll be the last time he wins. And maybe it's not even the last time this year he wins. But uh, yeah, I think he's got the game to, like you said, win at a major. Um, <clears throat> but we'll just have to see how that goes. But I'm stoked that he got his first dub. Uh, I'm a fan of the chef. Um, he's got a unique swing, and it seems like, uh, you know, that he should should be around for a while now. Yeah, a while coming. I mean, this week it's a it's a tournament, like you know, you guys said that it's it's a it's a fun watch. It feels like it's kind of kicking off the golf year to a degree for a lot of folks, and it just continues to produce results you know it has a formula a formula not everybody agrees with but it continually provides entertainment and i i'm more engaged that week than most weeks after it i, I think it's in you know the top 10 for sure probably closer to you know creeping into the top five of weeks i find most entertaining on the tour and uh and yeah, i mean, I, think I, I myself and am evidence that it gets pe- new people into watching the game of golf and i don't know how many other tournaments you can say that for yeah i i think for the most the majority of us most people came in through the masters like i, I don't know anyone 100%. else who came in through something else like it's almost always like what, what is this this stuff and 
<laughs> like that it's crazy that it's green jackets or beer cans for a lot of people <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but it always produces a great leaderboard man i mean running down this thing the chef Cantley, xander sir heath brooks fucking billy ho alex norn is back on the top jt hideki rom like that's just the people in the top 10 like that's yeah that's not that's there's barely stacked. any people in there that like doesn't feel like there is an entertainment coming out of them being there, you know? So while we're on waste management, I feel like watching Brooks made me nervous. I feel like Brooks is back. Like he looked really good there. Like he hadn't looked in a long time. And Let's as not someone who's that a, Brooks won last year too. And he, I know he, he did. was injured. But like, he did. Yeah, I don't think he was really. Cliff. Yeah. I. As a I'm, I'm saying this is a guy who like, picked him. I'm, I'm saying this is a guy yeah. who picked him. And, and, is, and I'm, I'm, I just I'm, wouldn't say it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't up to what we are used to for Brooks, but it wasn't by any means like an awful year, can, all things considered with his health. For sure. He like still that. won twice. Like It, it, it just like, depends on how much right. you're putting behind health. Like, I, like, are we just saying that like, all right, we're only going to cherry pick the good stuff with the win and some of the major performances and everything else we're going to say is injury related. Like, it, how well, are we talking kinda, about this? That's not, I mean, Brooks has never showed up really for regular tournaments. Like, he had a great year for majors like he usually does. He got a win at the waste, man waste management and then everything else is just like yeah i mean it's brooks at a regular tournament you don't know what you're gonna get is he gonna show up and really care or is he just gonna fucking go through the motions I, I, and plus i think it's an easy cop out though too at the same time like he should also be able to cope like that i mean this is like this was his this was pretty much right after the open championship when major season ended as people say for him like T54, T31, T22, WD, T67, T38, miscut, miscut, T9, but at the Hero World Challenge, 18th yeah. person field, middle of the field, <laughs> yeah. T28, miscut, and then T3 at the waste management. And now he miscut at Riv, but that's besides the point. The, and, the it's main... as much, and the thing is, yeah, it's how much are you willing to, like, you know, either believe or buy into that he was injured because he would claim that it's injury. That's what he's been saying. For sure. Yeah, so, but wasn't it wasn't his injury more like be, like is it he hurt his knee and then he hurt his wrist? Like what? Yeah, what, there was what, a num there was a number he, of injuries. He was limping around at Augusta for sure. Yeah, or that one like, was obvious. Really but long. like yeah. at the towards the end of the year, it was more of like a wrist issue because you got, if you remember correctly at the Ryder Club, yeah, up, like he was talking about how he was injured, like he yeah, recently injured he his wrist and follow through on that. his swing. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, it's a, it's a, like, yeah, you could say he fell off a cliff or whatever you want to do. But I, I like to believe what the horse is saying from his mouth that he's been dealing with injury this year. And he still had a pretty damn good year, especially if you look at what he's usually good at majors and he did well in majors. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't knock one off, but you know, I don't I mean, think yeah, anyone would be rating, surprised. Overrated. I don't think anything would be over like anyone. Be, ah, I don't think anybody would be surprised if come us open or PGA, if he rattled one off this year, they'd be like, of course. Yeah, of course he won. Like why would, well, that, that, wouldn't that's kind of what I'm saying is when I watched him at waste management, I was like, Oh shit, this guy looks like he's back a little bit. And that's yeah, also got to remember that like, it is like horses for courses with out there. hundred percent. That's like a horse guys, course. guys yeah. who play out there. Well, usually play out there. Well, often. So, yeah. Well, we'll and see. I guess there twice. So 
And I, and I, and I don't think you're wrong. I think Brooks is going to have a good, good year this year. Um, I'm just saying like that course, you kind of like, it's kind of an outlier. Like a guy could be having a bad season, but he just happens to play well at TPC Scottsdale and have a good week. You know, I wouldn't say the course is an outlier. I would just say it fits in the category that certain types of players play well there, but that's the case for a lot of courses. You could say that about Daniel Berger and Paul Casey and Jason Day for Pebble Beach and, and Speed. You could say the same thing for Webb Simpson at the Heritage. You could say the same like there's just people that have horses for yeah, courses guys all over guys the guys play guys play for courses sure. that they're gonna do better at if they can yeah so that's out. what I'm saying like I wouldn't say it's an outlier to say like every course has horses that work for it. It's just yeah I just personally feel like it has more guys like that that you know guys I agree that more guys more tend to play well there. Like we had Hideki go back to back. We see Brooks always in the mix. We've seen Ricky go back to back, or at least all, one once there, and then has He's gone in contention close. In, in the mix. Yeah. yeah, except for he missed the cut this year. But yeah. the that's a, the, a whole different conversation. But yeah, the, uh, the the tournament always provides the fact that it has horses for courses means we have we're predictably having bigger names in the mix there more often, and I, I think it's a good mixture of different types of play styles too that thrive there. Like the fact that we see Brooks yeah. playing well there and then Spieth playing well there, even though they're both like generational iron players. But besides that, like, you know, we see Webb Simpson play well there, or we see Hideki play. Well. What's going to general? Iron. Okay. It might Those just are be all iron players. really good. Chef, <laughs> <laughs> like Xander, yeah. like, yeah, really good. I don't, I don't see like Brian Harmon and Kisner, like, yeah. going balls to the wall at phoenix it might just be like really good iron play especially since they've been like props to the phoenix open this year by like being really firm and fast like it was that course was actually up. like rewarding people that were fucking like striking it so like you, you weren't faking it around there you know on the weekend it was crazy that you could hit a good wedge into the green and not hold it like it would still bounce off the green like that it was firm as fucking fast as fuck so, yeah, I mean, we, we have back. Yeah, and I think, you know, transitioning into what I think is usually always one of the best condition like courses every year and one of the, I think, one of the best tests on tour. Like Riv, again, this year, dude, was fucking firm and fast and like people were like yeah. not holding greens. We were seeing chippings all the time because everyone was fucking having the chip. Riv was yeah. bucking its head, man. Yeah. It was sick. It was and that's mean. like a testament to how good fucking Joaquin was playing that like, he had a huge gap because no one could like tame the beast for like the first two days. Yeah. Like an no absolute one, fucking boat race. The first 36 holes. No one could tame it. 63 is nuts. Yeah. I was like, no one could tame it. But at the same time, he set like a 54 hole score, not 54, 36 hole scoring record. Like, yeah, yeah I think that's like the whole, like the exception proves the rule. The fact that he had like an eight shot lead after three, like it's the same thing. Like Pebble was a fucking beast in 2000. But yeah, Tiger could tame it. Yeah. Like Tiger fucking blew it out, but like everyone else was fucking struggling. Like it didn't yeah. mean that Pebble was soft that year. It was just like no, someone I, came to fucking play. I agree. It's just crazy that that week he or this past week when it was super hard, he ended up setting the fucking thirty six hole record. Like yeah. it's just a wild, you know. Like you wouldn't think on the hardest week, and we've seen you know years out there or. I guess maybe that might not be the case, but it's, it's it was Saturday, awesome. like not the whole week, like Saturday was one of the best scoring days at Riv that they've ever had. Like they kind of took advantage on Saturday, but they had some really easy pins and I think they're trying to make it moving day. But the, that course, man, like I think 
there's so much amazing nuance to it. And like every hole is completely different. Like nothing, you're never getting the same plain Jane, like hole of one after the other. Like, I feel like a lot of the front nine, like runs together at the waste management. You're just like, okay, here we go. Like you're kind of seeing the same generic kind of like par fours here and there, like the same kind of green complexes, the same kind of bunkering, but like Riv, everything is just like a fun little twist, man. Like every, like every fucking hole is testing something different about your game. And like, that's why you see this, like, once again, it's like really fucking impressive iron players playing so well there. Like yeah. Adam Scott always showing up fucking like Homa. Max Homa, who's like clearly like his strongest strength is his iron play. It's like coming back and defending in a, in a pretty solid fashion. Like and Morikawa, who's maybe the best iron player on tour. Like, yeah, like probably, I would say pretty definitively like that that's fucking intense that would be cool it'll be cool one day if he wins that there because it's similar to max like they're both from la yeah they're la kids ucla yeah like riv just provides man it's just such a fucking cool ass vent like venue it's it's always got like the the strength of field was insane is over 600 like that was a fucking all-stop shop like amazing amazing event and no one no one that's threatening that was threatening to leave or potentially leaving was playing in that event besides dj like the or i guess yeah. that's not necessarily true but like th- like that yeah, that I event mean, would be so that, that 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 event is going to be so sick regardless and like it's just like that that was such a fun ass time man like i love watching that tournament it's but it's such a good two-week stretch man it's, it's so, so good. good so how would y'all play 10 um i mean the statistics say to lay up to the front left of the green like not lay up like jt did but like don't hit driver hit three wood and like have the front left short miss and then play the length of the green with the chip shot okay yeah so i think they said like 97 percent of the guys went for the green which maybe that's a three wood but try and get it up there but i love jt's move i thought that was awesome yeah i think he's like one of the only people that can do that though right yeah who who has the confidence in their wedges to do like because the landing zone for him approaching over that bunker is like you have like the size of a you have like the size of like a sun hat to land on before your ball gets ejected like who else can do that like yeah so i I think if i was forced to do it i mean what's the carry it's kind of like like fucking it's like 290 it's like 15 at wolf dancer is what it's like i was gonna say it's like uh what is it one or 10 11 12 13 14 at riverside like no one lays <laughs> up there you just fucking <laughs> you just fucking hit driver like obviously it's not the same hole but it's no, you but just you're, don't you're not wrong it's a little buttercut downhill yeah like it's like why would you lay up when you can just the, smash the, the, flattest, chip the flattest of greens in the fucking <laughs> planet a massive fucking green it has a little bit of back about, to front we're not like talking you're... about like we're talking about the, hitting the tee shot like risk reward like should i go for the green or should i lay up like yes, there's no uh, point in laying up really you fucking just go for the goddamn green i think what me and kid are saying is that maybe we don't compare riviera to riverside because <laughs> it, it's well, they both, very different green complexes and i mean complexes. it's our club riviera we call it that like of course that's where my <laughs> mind goes <laughs> okay 
you're you're not wrong. So the, the the only thing that they share is that they're drivable par fours. Like that's that's the only thing that they share. Not, not a Wait, single have other you, thing. Have you laid up yeah. there ever, kid? At on that's not the I'm so confused at why that what what are you trying to get out of that question? Like I was just comparing the holes. Like there's no point in laying up. Like JT was the only guy that really did it. Like nobody lays up on number 10 at Riviera. Everybody goes for the green. You might okay. have Riverside too. Yeah. Yeah. And they're the same. Yeah. They're both. They're, they're the same. I in think that I regard, should have laid up at Riverside a lot of times. No, it's uh, like, it, I don't really, uh, whatever. I think the, the, I think the thing that makes 10 good, which I wouldn't say it's the, the best hole out there. I don't, I don't know. It's probably one of the worst holes out there, but the, the, the thing that makes 10 interesting is not so much like, do you choose to go for or not? It's like, once you miss the green, like, how are you responding? Like that, that to me is like, where I'm not ever watching someone tee up a 10. Like, I can't wait to see if they hit the green. It's like, they're not going to hit the green. Like, it's not going right. to hold the green. Like, but where do they end up and like, how are they going to respond to their approach to the green? Are they going to be long and it's going to be difficult to keep it from going in the bunker and over? Are they not going to have any spin on it? Do they nip it close and they have an easy chip that's going to be able to run with the green? Are they too short that they take on the bunker and flop it up over and like chip it in like, or flop it in like Morikawa did? More or on a thimble yeah. like JT did? Like the second shot's what's interesting about 10. It's not the decision sure. off the tee, which is what I think the broadcast gets wrong. Like, oh, they're choosing, everyone's choosing to like go, go for it. It's like, well, yeah, no shit. But like yeah. how they were responding after the result of their tee shot is the thing I find compelling about ten. Yeah, and that's sure. fair. Oh. I wasn't, I wasn't really saying that. You know, that that's the interesting thing. I was just comparing. Like, there's no, there's no point in laying up in both of those holes. So I guess what I almost wondered is why do none of the guys hit three wood and be short left and have an angle. Versus, like, a lot of the guys with driver and were fucked way over or way left. Firstly, like, most tour guys don't carry three woods anymore. Um, secondly, even, like, a five wood for a lot of these guys is still too long. Like, people that are hitting driver are probably hitting driver because, like, they would put them in almost JT territory if they were to hit their seven wood or something like that, like, where it doesn't yeah. make a ton of sense for them. But... You know, I think for the most part, like it's still firm and fast. So like getting it to stop land in the spot where it's not going to roll out too far into the rough, but still land that nippy area short left where you can use the length of the green is still yeah. difficult to do. Like these guys are really good, but like checking up a five wood to go exactly 270 yards up to 280 yards without going any number over that before putting yourself into a bad angle is tough. Like, sure. That that's, that's the sort of way that I think makes it a little bit interesting, but yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting hole, and I think it makes for really compelling highlights for sure. Like the Morikawa flop was in fucking insane. It was ridiculous. It was absurd. But that that just that 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 course blends together in such a like wonderful way. Like I feel like no matter where they cut to in the course, I'm like, oh, I wish they were showing this hole. Like it's like yeah. everywhere they cut to, I'm like, oh, this is sick. They're gonna it's gonna ask something really interesting and like it's demanding off the tee and like i think a non like boring way that like trees can be like most of the time people kind of like trees like it's just like all right punch it out uh, chop it out but like 
there's tons of ways that people have been able to kind of finagle out of the trees at Riv because there's they're sparingly out there. And like, yeah, they have to get creative. Like you have to get creative out of the pine straw at Augusta. Like there's just something that you can kind of work with a lot of the times there. Y'all see that, uh, the fucking depth of field fucking new camera they were using, or I don't know if it's new or not, but it seemed like they were using the camera a lot more on the greens. Yeah. The high, the open aperture camera. They were just yeah, it was doing sick. tons of like focus pulls. Yeah, yeah, like the, I remember one shot on Sunday in particular of fucking Victor Hovland eyeing up a putt, and I was like, "Damn, that looks pretty solid." Yeah. <laughs> How about that line he was taking down seventeen fairway? Like, oh, to the oh, right, just yeah, it out right and saying fucking. I just, I just, lo- I just love him. I just love him just being like, all right, everybody, I need you to move 20 yards to the right. <laughs> Clear the way. I'm going to spray this fucker and I'm going to hit you, it. When you like watch him on like shot link on the app, it's just like, you know, 290, unknown. 300 yards to unknown. It's so funny. I was yeah. just glad to see my boy bounce back after having a miscut under his belt. I think he was just a little exhausted from his three win stretch, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he also was having to hustle back over from the United Arab Emirates. Like, the dude's just a world traveler. He's got to catch some Z's somewhere. I mean, but you, you props to Victor Hovland, though, in the sense that, like, the moment he missed a cut, there was obviously a more important thing on the mind. He went directly to the Grand Canyon, seeing the sights that he needed to see in the great America. Hey, like, take it in while you're here. Victor Hoffman might be more American than most Americans. Like the, the way that he sounds, the way that he carries himself, the fact that he just keeps traveling to these great places, he just seems to have it all figured out here. He's a true Midwesterner. Like he, he Midwesterner? Do you listen to him? He went to Oklahoma State University. He sounds like he came in, straight from fucking Tulsa. I'm saying he lives in Oklahoma. That's the Midwest. And he's bouncing around. Is that the Midwest? Yes. We call Oklahoma, Oklahoma the Midwest? At a thousand percent, Google it. I promise you. Isn't it like part of like the Dust Bowl Great Plains? <laughs> I think the Dust Bowl happened mostly through the Midwest. Like so I'm from Kansas, which is the, the the epitome of the Midwest. That was Dust Bowl. I always think of like all right, this is terrible for the, the pod, but like I always think of it was like as like Missouri. You know, like Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, like Wisconsin. I usually think of like Wisconsin and like Iowa, like being the end of it. It's pretty ridiculous to call Michigan the Midwest. Yeah, I I feel like (laughs) Like West. Yeah, it's neither mid or west. It's mostly north central, but it does fall into that category anyway. Uh, We don't need to hash this out on the pod, though. Um. There is a map yeah. for Midwest on Wikipedia that ends yeah. on Kansas and does not go into Oklahoma. There's no way. So they consider Oklahoma the South? Yeah, I, I mean, know. that makes sense, right? <laughs> not really. I, don't know. I consider everything south of the equator the South, so. <laughs> oh, good. Now he's sharing his screen. This is dangerous. <laughs> This is great podcast content for sure. There you go, dude. I'm not gonna say you're wrong. <laughs> I just Midwest can suck it. I'm all about the South. 
And for people that don't see a screen share on a podcast, but you shouldn't, it also had yeah. Michigan highlighted as part of the Midwest. And it yeah, went all the way up to was, I wouldn't, I didn't say it was, wasn't, I think it was ridiculous though. Well, you don't know when that was instituted. It could have been like way before, like right at the peak of Manifest Destiny, baby. That was right way <laughs> yeah, before the before the Louisiana Purchase kid. <laughs> the timelines okay. there are very different. The, uh, uh, <laughs> the, the 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 golf podcast that we were we were hosting at one point before the re, re, reconnecting the rails here. Yeah, um, let's do that. The uh, the tenth hole, solid stuff. Everything else in the course, also solid stuff. Every hole is demanding in its own unique, different way. I think it's challenging off the tee in the best way too, while maintaining. Even if you go into the shit, you have an opportunity to redeem yourself in different ways. But it still requires a really tough shot. And I think the guys that were hitting the really tough shots most consistently, consistently, were actually being rewarded on a high level. And because of that fact, we started to see a really good leaderboard at the end of it. Like Joaquin helped us out by kind of not really showing up too much on Sunday and then, you know, kind of slowing down pretty drastically in the back nine on Saturday. And then you started seeing guys charge like Cameron, like Morikawa, like Hovland, like Max, like lots of people started coming back in the mix. JT as well. So I was battling with a mental battle on Sunday that I wanted Morikawa to fucking win but at the same time, if he won, he would take over the world number one spot from Rom. So then I was like, fuck, I guess I want Joaquin to win. But so really, I'm assuming this I had to have taken place really, like in the I last don't. like three holes, right? It was during the yeah, during the back nine was Morikawa was making a run. And I was like, oh, maybe if he fucking birdies enough holes. But yeah, I yeah. I was right there with you, Dave. Like I I wanted Morikawa to make the comeback, but I also wanted Rom to stay world number one. But it would have been more fun to see Morikawa win in a playoff. Rom will get his world number one back <coughs> if that does happen. So, yeah, I just want Rom to get as many weeks at world number one just to fucking. I know. I'm soak right in my you. bath of just knowing Rom's the best in the world type of thing I've been saying for a long time. Um, and the more weeks he can get under his belt, the better. Are we ready to have a Rom conversation about his putter this week? No, it's fine. You have bad weeks sometimes, you know? Yeah, I think okay. it's the one club that, like, most consistently is inconsistent, if that makes sense. Like, it's – it's Well, it's so course-dependent, too. Like, every course has different greens and, so you know. Yeah, that, that's the two things I was going to say about this is – one Saturday, I said next week he won't have the same putter in the bag, and he switched putters before Sunday. And then two in Tiger's interview, he said the reason that me and Jack never won here is because these greens are impossible to read. So I'm wondering if Rom overreacted because these greens are too hard, or if he really needed to make a putter change. Okay, so you're telling me, like, I didn't really watch this tournament up until Sunday, like the back nine. Yeah. Um, you're telling me Rom switched putters from Saturday to Sunday? Saturday to Sunday, yeah. He and, went I know from he, the... and I know he shot maybe the best in the field on Sunday as far as scores go. No, but he, no. he played more power and Rom shot, yeah. both shot six under. Yeah, um, that is he, the best he in the field, best. though, right? And like that's the best score in the from, field on Sunday, right? Six under. Yeah. 
Yeah, so him and Morikawa shot the best in the field. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what... he switched back from the like California style half mallet to yeah. the more spidery. Yeah, the double dot cutter. spider. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe he needs a better go back to the spider vibe. I've well, always been a, a fan of him with the spider boy. Oh, even though do a true giant... spider. Maybe he, he should wanted... go Adam Scott broomstick with the cyber truck putterhead. <laughs> the cyber truck, yes. Well, but I mean, he won his major last year with the California style. Oh, and I mean, he put and he putted lights out with uh, uh during the Ryder Cup and stuff. He, he's a great putter. Like he's a great yeah. putter. I think sometimes with putting and like Kid brought up that the greens are just hard to read, and he's yeah. a very like I cerebral. I brought that up. It's fine. With the with the tiger and Jack thing, yeah, that was yeah, it was Ryan. Oh, sorry, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, anyway, I've never heard that. I didn't even hear that interview. <laughs> yeah, it was a good interview. Sorry about that, but uh, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like a lot of the people that have won there are not historically great putters. Like, yeah, yeah. So it's, they Tiger said it was just grainier than anything he's ever seen, and had a really hard time seeing it. And like Rom had a bunch of putts where he kept looking at the ball going like, how the fuck did that finish there? So I also think that Rom is a guy that is used to seeing the ball just go in the hole when he's putting. Like sure. I, he may not st- statistically be a good putter. I don't know like where he ranks. Like if you would go he back is. to last year or something. Um, either way, I feel like he's a guy that like is like I make putts, like I come up and I make birdies. And yeah. when he doesn't see him going in, he's like, okay, like it gets to him, you know? Like I think most of his game he can he can kind of brush it off and be like, no, I know I'm a good ball striker. That was a bad shot, but I know I can hit that shot fucking, yeah. you know, 19 times out of 20 or whatever it is. But when the ball just isn't going in the hole, it gets to him. And I think us like switching to that other style putter, like just kind of reset it, something different to look down at. And then of course he goes out and shoots the best round of the day. So yeah. I don't, not I'm not worried about it. the looks of it. Like he's like, yeah, I've 50. never thought he was a bad putter. By no means is he the best, but like he hits putts in clutch spots and he makes a lot of birdies. So if, well, you know, yeah, he leaves himself a lot of short putts with his iron play. Yeah. Um, He's like in but the I top think... like thirty percent of putters. Like he's he's an above average putter, but he's by no means like a great putter or even like a very good putter. He's just kind of like it doesn't hurt his game. He gains about 0.3 strokes around with his putting. It'd be interesting to see like over a like ten year period like who is the best putter because I feel like every year it's so streaky with putting. Like last year it was Louis U stays and I don't even know who yeah. the best putter is this year, but it's like Jordan's the best putter one year. And it's like, right. I don't know. It's just like, it's not, like, it's, the, it's not like, the, it's not like the, ball striking where it's like year in year out. Like you can kind of rely on certain guys to be like up towards the top, like whether it's more or Adam Scott or, you know, are you Roy talking Matt. about any 10 year stretch or the past 10 years? I'm just talking about, I'd, it'd be interesting to see like, who who floats to the top like over a long period of time can with putting you, as can opposed you, can you to like answer my question <laughs> we can do the last 10 years i never it's I, probably it'd be, I, it'd be probably jason day then if it's the last 10 years he's been the most consistently top of the strokes game for like around the top of the strokes game for like since like 2014 
Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I just thought it would be interesting to see that compared. I can to tell like, you would be at the bottom of it. Hidekimasu. <laughs> <laughs> and then any stretch before that's going to be Tiger. I mean, Tiger is without a doubt the best putter of all time. Like he he's without like his lag putting is insane. That's where he gains most of his strokes. Is that like he just it's always two putting, if not one putting. Like he just there's no three putts ever happening. But the uh, it'd be an interesting thing for sure. But ten year stretch is so difficult because the game is so like deep now. Well, maybe that, like, cut it in half, do five years. I was just saying like more of a longer term period than like just like you know taking this season type because they're always going off like a season. Like so far this season, X person is the best putter. Or his this is his strokes game putting or whatever it is, and I don't think that's necessarily like a long enough thing with putting in particular to know who's like really the best putter, you know, because putting can be so sporadic week in and week out. And like, it's out of like the game of golf. I feel like putting in particular, like varies much more course to course than all the other parts of golf. If that makes sense. Like, yeah, I know like different grasses are harder to hit out of the rough and, you know, Tough week for Kakuya, just getting chipped on all over, bro. Like fucking, bro. we saw chicken chip ins from everywhere. Kakuya just not looking like the tough grass that the commentators wanted to be this this week. Just so, did they pronounce it differently this year? One of the guys was saying it in a really weird way. Did y'all catch that on foreign? the broadcast? Is it a foreigner saying it? He was not from the states. I, I believe yeah, it was a, a Brit, and he he called it something slightly different than Kakuya. I could, yeah. I mean. It, uh, if it's a Brit, it's probably foul, though. If it's, I mean, there's it wasn't foul, though. I think it was Ian, one of the, Ian Baker Finch. It was probably Ian Baker Finch, yeah. But I think he's Australian, isn't he? I think he called it Kaikuya or something. It was something that was really, really jarring to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just because I remember playing Spanish with Dave right after this event last year, where you said Kakuya about a hundred times when we played together. It was hot on my mind. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean. But, yeah, there were a lot of chip-ins this week. I mean, Like I was saying, though, before that, like, do y'all agree with that, though, that, like, the you think the rat, like, the putt, like, week in, week out, the greens are, like, the biggest changing thing, so, like, if you're. 100%. Well, and, like, we're in the Cali swing right now where they're, they're putting on a totally different surface that the grain is way more involved than some of the other courses. So yeah, I, I do think it varies a lot. Yeah, I would tend to agree that like most it's it's the thing that is most temperamental for sure. Like your your greens are what's changing the most out of anything week day in and day out on on a, a given tournament week like your greens are possibly firmer or faster as it goes on like they can get rolled in different directions they can get cut different lengths like the grass that you use like it's by far the most temperamental part of a golf course so it's going to be and most susceptible to change frankly the the course is manipulating that more than anything else you know where they're going to say hey we're not watering today or we're over watering whatever that may yeah. be as well like that's the one element of the course that can change yeah, you're not going to see a, a course, you know, cut down rough like 
yeah the in between days or anything like that but the and that all being said like it i think a lot of it too is that like they apparently and so says people on the grounds like they're rolling like fucking 14 on sunday jesus christ like they just balls would not sit still on those greens uh, uh that weekend so it's just it's just a big boy golf course man like it's not even all that like hyper long it just is just it it's just so demanding t to green like yeah so so such a fun thing to watch but i mean i, I think these two weeks together just like show such an impressive crop of guys i mean i'm just looking at a leaderboard right now and just like once again like just we're not seeing very many just like no names here to use dave's shade throwing term um i, I guess <laughs> It, I mean, what a great week to see Chez in the top 10, guys. 66-66 on the weekend. Chez is a California yeah. tournament guy. Yeah. Well, what about the guy right above him at solo ninth, C.T. Pan? Like, how often are we seeing C.T. Pan in the mix? It's good Not to see. too often. So that's no. one of the guys kind of lurking in it that maybe wouldn't be what you'd think, but like ball striker walking even, Kamor, Kawa, I mean, Cameron Young, like looking, looking solid. Like I, I've been hearing good things about him, but yeah, like the Adam Scott, Victor Hovland, JT, Chef, Dude, that Cameron Maverick Young McNeely. guy fucking lashes up the ball. Yeah, he does with the Hideki pauses, and then he fucking lashes. It's like a the pause. Play. The pause makes it seem so much more aggressive. Violent. I feel. Yeah. 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 It is violent because it's it not like, like a, a fluid motion. Ball. It's 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 like yeah, he's yeah. he's restarting it from scratch up at the top and just like having to go from zero to fucking you know. It really does make it eighty-five Ryan, miles an hour. Ryan literally, it really does make it seem more like a baseball swing. Like it may so, not and, be more flat. Like it can still be upright, yeah. but the fact that you stop it makes it like because you know you just go from nothing. But he he gives it more of a baseball vibe than Hideki does. Hideki feels like way more yeah. like surgical and like gymnastic whereas this guy just seems like he's just fucking angry at the ball. Yeah. Hideki's he, is seems more aggressive for outside sure. or inside. Like Cam Young's is outside and it looks like a load. So like in like baseball he like seems you like load your front foot. He's your definitely one of the more like, aggressive swings I think. Yeah, it's back to back weeks of emerging star, like emerging talents having aggressive swings. I mean, Sahith yeah. and then now Cameron Young, like, yeah, they both had really violent, aggressive swings. Yeah, I think cool. that Cameron Young is a much more aggressive swing than Sahith. Like, whenever I watch no, Sahith, I mean, nobody like, said that we thought Sahith was more aggressive. We're just saying that both I, aggressive like, swings. Even when you brought it up like earlier about the waste management, like, I don't think about aggressive swing when I see Sahith, like when we were watching it on Sunday or, you know, when I was watching the tournament, but like, I, I can see like after you saying that, how you think that, but like, that was never anything that crossed my mind. Well, so it's very different too. So like Cameron Young, he plays that fade where it's a very outside set the hands baseball is playing. Whereas Sahith is more inside and it's a bigger turn. So it's like they're both violent, but they look violent differently. And I would say Sahith's is like a ton of body rotation. Like it's an exactly. insane amount of hip yeah, turn. And like big turn. Yeah. It's like it seems like he's like whipping his body a lot more, where it seems like Cameron Young is like ripping his shoulders down he's and just like trying to snapping his hands. Yeah. And I think one of the crazy things too is that I think it might be wildly inefficient <laughs> because like he's getting like 185 mile per hour ball speed. 
but that has to have some sort of insane side spin because Joaquin was like every other hole out driving him with a less like height on the yeah. I mean, he wasn't flight. getting like At, yeah. awesome results or anything, but it's <laughs> very aggressive. And then like, like dude, even fucking Joaquin's on eighteen fairway finder like low like stinger drive like was burning. the furthest of the group and like rolled out like crazy. It's like if I if I had that ball flight, I would play it every <laughs> single fucking time, every course I went to. Like, well, and it's dry. Like it, it was the right flight for that hole too. Like, yeah, even still though. Have, yeah, but we can, no one's gonna argue that the that the 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 air that it's flying through is more resistant than the ground that the ball is running across. Like it's you're you're gaining distance. I know, but the, the, the you're gaining distance by keeping it in the air. And Joaquin's ball should be not nearly as efficient as yeah. uh you know this you know this particular thing that Cameron Young's doing, and as a result, like it's it's just crazy to see walk like walking is just sneaky long man he's sneaky long and i think cameron young's swing has got to be like a little bit like inefficient from what he another kind of violent swing it's violent in its own own way it's you it's more unique than it is violent but like he really fucking thrusts through that with his body like it's not like fucking Cameron Young it doesn't it, it looks uncomfortable i wouldn't say it's aggressive but it looks uncomfortable it's like, it looks like positions he he's putting his head so underneath the fence too. every time he swings he's down and his hands are so far in front of the ball too that he's de-lofting everything compressing the fuck out of the ball like there were a couple of shots on instagram where i was like his hands are so far in front that he's just hitting way down and generating the pass spin but hitting the fuck out of it yeah I don't know. i'm excited to see him continue to kind of flesh out his game this year because it, it, it seems like he's finding some strike i mean he's, he's been playing well like it and he's I, only I like 24? what i see he's 23 he's 23 yeah yeah he, he's he's younger than all these young people that people are talking about like breaking out but he's but he, he, he skipped college so yeah. like he went straight to doing he kind of took like a the the akshay route before akshay did okay yeah except then fitpatrick no, he went to Northwestern. I think he dropped out of college like really early on, like first year or something. Anyway, um, the uh, he, he he is what I would consider to be one of the most unpredictable golfers when he comes into a tournament like he's been getting his stuff together more and more but like you just don't know what joaquin's gonna do like you're not gonna be surprised yeah. if he's like in the final group on sunday like he's never the guy that you think of going into the week being like yeah joaquin's taking this one home like yeah but like you're not surprised when he's there like he's a really young really you know impressive talent which makes his wire to wire win like all the more impressive like most like he kind of obviously got a bit itchy and scared on Sunday a little bit when like more cow is breathing down your neck and like Victor Hovland and people are creeping around you and Cameron Young's chipping in for Eagle too. to like close yeah. the gap to one one strokes and like you're just like misreading these greens like crazy on Sunday and like the balls are like breaking opposite direction that you're expecting and like you're burning edges like when the putter feels like it's gone ice cold and you got dudes breathing down your neck shooting six under like that's that that would rattle most people, but he stepped up and he he played he played eighteen like a fucking boss. Yeah, yeah, he did. He he did what he had to do. Well, and he knew he didn't hear that roar when Morikawa missed his birdie putt. 
like, okay, I just got to make my par, like play it right. Be just fine. Yeah. I think it'd be hard to know whether or not the roar was like for a birdie or if it was for the approach shot. Like, I don't know. I mean, he can see where they're I felt at like the that hole, crowd wanted right? more. That's true. Yeah. That tournament. I mean, he's from LA. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I just, I, re- I remember a few instances where like, even on the, like T box where Joaquin was on Sunday, like you could hear the crowd up on the green, like being like, Colin, Colin, like again, cheering yeah, he went for... to UCLA. Like I know, but yeah, it was just cool. no. He went to Cal. He went to Cal Berkeley. Oh, you're right. Uh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I just thought it was cool, you know. But was I mean, people, he had he had the crowd on the first he had the crowd on the first two days like they were vibing on him. But yeah. once Colin Morikawa became the mix, what, what were you saying, Ryan? Was Homa also Cal or was he UCLA? Yeah. No, they're, they're both, both Cal. Cal. But okay. yeah, Riv is a fucking fantastic week. So many great like highlights and fucking shots from this from that week, but. Something that almost that also dominated the 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 media cycle this week and was a big talking point during this week was a lot of players' stances on one Saudi league. Uh, I know it was on the itinerary for this for this uh, this call, and uh, yeah, it's been a tumultuous couple of weeks. Lots of things being said, lots of people posturing, lots of people. Um, retreating any uh, you know, opening it up to the, the floor for discussion. What are your, what are your thoughts on this week's developments in the international golf relations? Well, I have a couple questions uh, that I think maybe might be different than a lot of stuff that people have been saying. And it's more so um, do you think that the Saudi league is going to get off the ground or are they just going to retreat to something within the Asian tour and not do, you know, not, not even follow through with this idea that they want to do. Um, what do you think if anything happens to guys that were said to be going over there, IE Phil Mickelson, DJ Bryson. Um, and I had one more, but I don't know if you want to talk on those now. I might remember. Should we detail what happened a little bit more for anyone, or we just assume that anyone? I think anyone who finds our podcast has already (laughs) already been pretty steep in the information around it. So I don't think we need to completely recap the, but you know, the the, the thirty-second thing is that the the Saudi Arabian government, state-funded government, is um, trying to start up a you know independent golf league with the 48 person format that they ripped off of from the premier golf league after they stole the idea and are trying to woo over large top professionals to come play their league for large sums of money to sports wash their nation nation's historical atrocities for human rights. That's, that's the deal. So they've done that by making a large investment of putting their, uh, you know, money behind guys like, Bill Mickelson and allegedly Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, Adam Scott, Sergio Garcia, Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, those sorts of folks. Um, not all yeah. as confirmed as someone like Phil Mickelson. Lots of it's still speculative, but uh, yeah, lots of developments. I would consider the Asian Tour thing to be kind of separate. It, this the Super Golf League is supposed to be separate from what the Asian Tour thing is supposed to be. That's a three hundred million dollar investment 
in uh, a circuit of events that have nothing to do with this 10 event or 12 event series that's doing mostly in the United States, which so far I think it has two Trump courses on, on the ROTA. Um, uh, yeah, my my question was more so like, do you think they just will retreat back to like, hey, we're going to put more money into the Asian tour type of thing as opposed to like starting their own separate thing? Like, do you think they're going to yeah. follow through with the Super Golf League or has this just whole series of events that's unfolded the last two weeks um, just kind of, you know, killed the ember that was the super golf league i think it's dead i to me there there's like from what i understood phil tried to play both sides of the cards and he lost um and i i don't think it was just from what i heard everyone retreated and the people that weren't involved kind of made fun of the guys that were interested so I think it's dead, um, but that's just my opinion, kid. What did you, what did you gander? Um, do I think they're gonna put more investment into the Asian tour and bolster it? I don't think so. Um, if we think about what they're trying to do, if we think their aim is to sports wash, you don't sports wash by having people not watch your, your product. Like they need top talent to draw big eyeballs to then use that sports you know, media to wash and reposture what the nation is about. That's why they don't go in and buy a champions, you know, championship league team in the bottom rung of, you know, soccer in UK, they buy a premier league team in Newcastle so they can sports wash on a higher level. They're not going to put their money into something that's lower tier. They're basically just trying to put together a structure that they care about golf in this way. And they can create, well, official golf world ranking points within their system with the Asian tour, but then use that as a stepping stone for what they'd be doing with their super golf league. So I I think for the most part, I just thought of it more as like, Hey, instead of like taking this massive L in front of like the whole global audience or not, it's not global. Like it's such a niche thing that we're talking about right now. Um, But they would maybe, you know, want to do something like hey we're going to donate another hundred million dollars to this the asian tour instead of and you know try to facilitate more within that thing as yeah opposed to being like we're totally yeah. taking a loss with this sgl thing and it's like no we've decided to you know put our resources over here and uh try to help in whatever way see i to finish what i was going to say though is i don't think they're done like i don't think the sgl is dead i i I don't i don't think this thing is going away um to this is not very much money to them we're talking about uh uh, a regime that has billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars to throw out whatever the fuck they want and most of these sports ventures most of these sports ventures make money for them so newcastle is going to make money for them like this is the kind of thing that they're ready to burn because it's within a clientele base, it's gonna be valuable for their country to be able to get these corporate sponsorships to come do business in their land. So I think it's something they're not just gonna put away. And if they need guys like Justin Rose or Adam Scott or Sergio Garcia that yeah, are in their nether years of their career, but are still very valuable to a large you know swath of business executives that can bring things over to their oh. nation. They don't, they don't give a shit about you know one guy making them put egg on their face, like whatever, they'll fucking cut up fucking fill with a bone saw. Like, 
So it, it, you don't you don't think that big names are necessarily ne necessarily ne necessarily required for them to be successful in what they want. Like I, they're not I looking do. for like a ton of views globally, uh, eyeballs on their product. They just want to attract like business moguls and corporate entities to come to their events and socialize and do yeah. business. No, I, I, I think they do need those things, but I don't think this alone is what's going to stop it. Like we're, we're thinking so near, like we've, we've thought this thing was going to blow the doors off the hinges and it's dead in a matter of fucking 124 hours. Like that, that's too quick to pronounce something dead. Like well, this the is why I'm asking the question, right? Yeah. So my, let me my, go ahead. Sorry. The, the point ahead. being here is that like, just because Phil has eviscerated himself online and just because now DJ and, and, and Bryson, because of that fact, like have to retreat and put their tail between their legs. Doesn't mean that Saudi Arabia is going to be like, Oh, I guess our shit's over. Like they can take a longer approach to this and think about this more than just the next two or three months. They can table this and revector like that money's not going anywhere. And people within the subculture of golf still have a pr pretty singular priority, it seems. And that's not going to go away. They're just waiting for the fucking hot water to cool down. Well, yeah. from my understanding and what I've heard, like they've put some dates out there. So, you know, like for potential start times, like you just said the word potential, though, like it doesn't have to be then like. So if I may, sure. it feels like on Wednesday of last week, the SGL was a real threat. And today on Monday, it does not. Do y'all agree with that? Or no? It's it's less of an impending threat right now. Like at the end I of the day, what, like what we describe as threat, right? So like whenever Phil Mickelson, Bryson, DJ, those type of names were on the table for that tour, and that was taking away them from the PGA tour, I think that was more of like a threatening thing, right? For at least the tour's perspective and maybe potential viewers of the PGA tour. But whenever you get those three guys back and they're still on the PGA tour and you lose guys like Adam Scott, Justin Rose, and people that you don't really care about watching that much, I'm not saying they don't add to the tournaments and stuff, but if you lose them, you're not going to be that upset. I mean, look at Riviera, look at waste management where any of those names besides Adam Scott at Riv really in the mix. I don't really remember. I was about to, I, I, I have a follow-up question. Do, I mean, are they going to still be on the PGA tour? Like, well, yeah, I mean, that's to, to be decided. Right. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. They might not be on the tour. I think it depends on how far they got litigation wise. And I think Phil could definitely suffer some suspensions of some sort. I don't Phil know, and Bryson. but as far, yeah. as far as Bryson and, uh, DJ go, I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, if we're, if, if we are to believe what Phil said, Alan Shipnuck, which I'm not necessarily sure if Phil's a, a yeah. honest narrator here. Like, so we don't know if whatever he's saying is true, but we're talking about someone who had athletes have their lawyers draft operating agreements for a rival league while being members of a collective tour of which they are shareholders in. So if that's yeah. not an explosionary offense, I don't know what is. So that's the definition of it. Yeah. So the, I think the, the point here being is that like, they may not have a tour to come back to. They can say whatever they want to social, but if 
Jay Monahan and other people within the board want to put the ban hammer down. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be able to. And I don't see why the Saudi Arabian Le League wouldn't have any incentive not to send that records over to the PGA Tour because if they get banned for the PGA Tour, guess where you're coming? To, yeah, to come Big Bone Saudi. Your check just got cut in half, but you're still welcome. <laughs> like, we don't have as much money for you because we now have some, some leeway, but yeah. And to, to totally speak agree. to the, the question around the other guys, I mean, I think it comes back to speculative, right? Like, we don't know who actually was humoring being in the league. We don't know who had signed sure. on to be, you know, within the opt-out period or whatever the case may be. How, how do other people look at it? I mean, yeah, you could have someone like JT or Spieth or Rory kind of, you know, blast, like kind of laughing at you or kind of pointing you out as just kind of being like, this is kind of shameful. But like the, the main thing being is that like, it just... I think it just shows people's colors of like what their, what their prime motives and like value systems are and like what they're trying to aim for is like, we're part of a shared collective that we're trying to push the PGA tour forward. And like, I'm not the biggest defender of the PGA tour, but like we can't argue that they don't have like say over what happens. Like you have instruments in place to be able to get things pushed through whatever capacity you can. If this is your way of doing that, like you're, you're hanging out your other brothers to dry here. Like yeah. how are they supposed to take you back? I don't, I don't, I don't really get it. Yeah, it, it's a whole mess. Um, and we'll just see where it goes. But I, I don't think the SGL goes anywhere in the next six months or so. Um, and I think I Phil did. might be done. I, I don't know that we see Phil anymore. Uh, I would never rule out Phil being in the, the public He's going to be playing the Masters on um... I'm sure he'll be around for the majors. I guess he's they eligible can't to play him out of the majors. Yeah. It, it it sounds like Phil needs to be in the public eye. It sounds like he's very <laughs> he into intertwined. Whether it's yeah. for ego or if it's for monetary reasons, I, I think if this if this process has shown us anything, it's that Phil's in a hard spot. And that, once again, that's speculative as people assuming that he's either like in bad with gambling sure. debts or like his finances aren't tight. With if once again, if Alan Shipnock's thing is real, that he had to sell his Gulf Stream that was so important to him because of financial struggles. Like, right. you know, the idea here is that like, it's, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough look for a guy who seems like he's got no way out than to turn to a, a, a government system that he th are, considers to be scary motherfuckers that kill people for being gay and fucking shut up, cut up fucking, uh, you know, residents of the United States and journalists yeah. that are of their national descent with bone sauce. Like he seems to be fully aware of why they're so heinous which makes yeah. his actions even more interesting to think he has the, uh, the, the moral authority and the, uh, the gumption to, to, to take these sorts of steps. It's, it's an interesting, you know, proceeding of things. I just yeah. don't understand, like, like, do they just not know what the PGL is? Like, have they not heard about that? Like, they could try to be convincing like Monahan to be like, Hey, why don't you hear this guy out? Why don't you listen to like what they have to say? And maybe we can come to a better situation for all of us, you know, like, and it's not fucking dirty Saudi money. Like I just don't get that. Like have, have Bryson DJ, not, these guys not heard about that. Like I don't, they have, I think to, it'd right? be, I like, think it'd be a so more, I think, I think the way that, Gardner has it structured and how it would work for them going forward is far more of a long-term slow burn kind of uh, relationship that these big stars would have with the, the firm before they'd be seeing anything. I think for Phil and his current circumstance needs his money and he needs it now. 
Well, and sure. Well, let, take Phil out of it. Let, let's talk about guys like fucking like Bryson, like DJ, like fucking Adam Scott, like fucking. I need Cobra. my money. And I need it now. Right. I need my money. And I need it now. But they are so, getting money now. Like what the guy said. Like you're getting a signing, a signing, or like getting money for signing. You're getting guaranteed money for every single tournament on top of like, depending on how you place, you would get more money. Um, yeah, but we're still like, talking years and we're still talking like Saudi was right, was ready to go this year within months. Like you get your money, you get yeah. it now. And like yeah. PGL wants this thing to be solid for the future long-term. Saudi doesn't give a shit about that. And so the goal here being is that, you know, PGL wants Rory involved. PGL wants this relationship with the PGA Tour to be harmonious. PGL wants to be in it to be part of the, the fabric, the hierarchy of professional golf globally. And they're not trying to take that. We're not, they're not trying to take a shortcut to that. They're trying to do it the right way. And because of that fact, you're, you don't have people who are on the back end of their careers, the Adam Scott's, the, the Justin Rose's, the Ian Poulter's, the Lee Westwood's, the Sergio Garcia's. Those guys, it's not their timeline's ticking and they want their big bag before it's too late you think their time like if you're a guy like sergio garcia like you think the timeline's ticking for him being a captain of a team on the pgl i think that's like a perfect guy to be like a captain of a team well, on the pgl he doesn't know if that's real it could perfect it could be if you get enough guys like that's a good handful of guys that go to the commissioner of the pga tour and be like hey hear this motherfucker out and see what he has to say like last i've heard is that he won't even entertain a conversation. With That's the, the point though, Dave, like I want the PGL to succeed, but the Saudi thing was, is more real right now than it is an idea to these guys later with the PGL. I think most golf fans want the PGL to succeed because we think it'd be a better product for us. And it likely would be, but the point it's is the, the pair, the player's interest, the player's interest is profit for themselves. One at the end of the day, that's all they care about. No one has yeah, told they us don't otherwise. have to do any work to get that. They fucking just go and sign papers as opposed Whoa. to like, hey, we and have to get and together and talk to Jay Monahan and convince him that this is the right thing to do. Exactly. You know, I, so I guess I, I want to ask y'all. I know, Dave, you're a football fan. Kid, you're a European football fan. Do y'all follow any of the other American professional sports at all? Yeah. Because the owners always win. And I feel like the PGA guys are just now thinking that they're in charge and they're about to find out that the league always wins. Like, this is not going to – they're not going to get the – I, I fundamentally want. disagree with that. I, I really do. In, I, I do. what I, way? I, I, tell me. Sorry. I won't interrupt. That the system is, in fact, built for them. Like, the, the system is continually trying to do its best for the players. And I'm not saying that other leagues don't do that. I think Adam Silver and the NBA does a great job of getting money back to the NBA players. Their salaries have never been higher. And the same thing goes for PGA Tour. Like, way before Saudi was involved, their price versus continue to skyrocket. And they continue to get raised up. Like, the PIP was a reaction to it without question. But like their prices kept going up and it, it was a result of the TV deals. Like as much as it may seem like they're taking circuitous steps to get there, like Jay Monahan has put more money in players' pockets because they've asked for it. That's what's been important to them. The product isn't. And the point being is that like it's a player-run organization where they have more saying power and responsibility within the, the boardroom than in any other league on the planet for the most part that I understand within popular professional sports. Like it's very different what the NFL and the NBA do with their ownership and what they can do versus the, the player action committee within Chris Paul and whoever else is running it for 
the the NBA than what Rory and those guys are doing on the PGA Tour. Like it's just it's not even close. They have way more ownership and control in the PGA Tour, and they see it every goddamn year with their flexible schedule, with their insane protections around their you know major medicals and their 125 exemption and their five year status and like their their pensions. Like there's so much fucking safety nets in for players right now that you never see in any other league right now. I disagree with your statement. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. It, it is better for golf than any other sport. And the pension is a huge, huge, huge part of that. Um, but I just, I think that the people in charge usually find a way to come out on that. And maybe what does that even how many mean? other, what does that even mean? What does coming out on top mean? Like how many uh, other like sports owners for lack of a better word um, are a nonprofit? Golf is the only nonprofit. Exactly. So there's a different motive there. Like they're not motive for, you know, racking it in in their pockets, right? They're all getting paid. Yeah, I understand. But every that. every organization that's worth billions of dollars should have high paid fucking leadership because you're not right. going to get people that can run a giant that. organization to come to your organization if they don't get paid that. Like you're not going to yeah. get executives from fucking S and P 500 companies to come here and work for your organization if they don't get paid well. And at the end of the day, like those people have unique sets of skills to get those things done. I'm not here to be elitist, but that's just a fact of the matter. Yeah, for a lot of these yeah. things. And let's also take into consideration that people below the executive ladder at the PGA Tour don't really get paid all that well. And that, yes, they just yeah. built this new brand new headquarters. But we're talking about something between like 50 and 90 million dollars when we're talking about like, oh, they have this giant budget of billions of dollars, which isn't true either. Like all yeah. these numbers that like Phil is throwing out there, like where who are you corroborating this with? Where is your math coming from? Like we're talking about an organization that has dozens of properties across they have like five different business vectors they have like tons of different businesses with their different leagues the tpc network they got like a thousand different things that they're doing to like it's a complicated yes. business that is also a fucking charity giving over a billion dollars over its lifetime like you're saying like this right. place is money grubbing and innocuously greeting versus the fucking saudi government like no we understand yeah, that's like not what, that's that not what ryan was saying yeah we were talking about comparing the leagues right the differences yeah. of them like I think you yeah. kind of got wrapped into the other <laughs> argument there for a second, but Thank you, yeah. Uh, yeah. My whole thing, I, I think Ryan was just saying like the players right now, and I guess this has happened in the past with the PGA tour. It seems like every, it's like, it comes in waves where they're like, Oh, we want more shit. We want more of this. We want more of that. And then it just kind of goes back to like, you know, just the PGA tour being the PGA tour and they, you know, they give a little bit and that that's the pip for now. And the pip, yeah, the pip that's already been increased. Yeah. And yeah, they're, they're, they're doing their best. They're going to they're gonna keep increasing purses and stuff like that. My whole thing is I like selfishly, I think the product from everything that the PGL has said, it should be better. It, at least for a while will be more fun because it's something new and would be hopefully new courses, team events. I don't know. I, I just, I wish there would be some guys that would, you know, probably against better judgment, go out and, you know, talk to Monahan and be like, you know, at least entertain what this guy has to say. And maybe, maybe you guys could come to some sort of agreement that's beneficial on both sides. Like, I don't know. It seems like maybe 
both sides want more than it. It's like the PGA tour is like, what exactly are you doing for us that we couldn't just do on our own and just steal what the fuck you guys are going to do? You know? So I don't, I, well, I regard, think, I, I think that thing anything will ever happen. For, yeah. Well, I, I think. Go, go ahead. I think the thing that has them hamstrung is that being a 501 6C or the, the charity classification they are like makes their fluidity and cash flow and how they can actually operate impossible within the structure with the PGL is trying to do. And because of that fact, they don't have the flexibility and the ability to scale up what they're trying to do. And because of that fact, they're not going to cede power and control over like the market share of popular golf because of that. Cause they'd have to trust that like this guy who's said a couple nice words on a few podcasts is actually going to do what he says he's going to do. And this thing is going to do what it says it's going to do. Like we at least have a history with the PGA tour that like they execute on this level to this sort of return for their players and for the product and for charity. And this is just basically like, it's easy to make promises when you don't actually have to do it yet. And like, I, I want it to be true. I want it to be a great product. And I think competition is good, but what we're seeing so far is that like, they're reacting right now to the wrong sort of competitive pressure. And now the PGL is also positioned itself where it's no longer trying to be competition. It's trying to be harmonious with the league. And that's no longer really going to be promoting any sort of product improvement from the PGA tour. So we'll see. So what would y'all like to see? Is it a difference in competition or a difference in coverage? Both. Because I feel like those are two different things. I would want better coverage. And I would like to see just the whole team aspect. I think I, I like so you want more as soon team as events. I, not even team events. I'm okay with the entire, like, like, so whatever it is, 14, 16 tournaments. And the first couple days, they're team events. And then the last day is singles. And you divvy up points however it is. The last day singles, like, you get X amount of dollars for however, wherever you placed. And yeah, and the first two days, it's like alternate shot or team best ball or fucking whatever sort of team game they wanted to do amongst the teams. I don't know. And you accumulate points. I think it goes even deeper than that. I think the structure of the entire operations needs to be reworked, too. This is probably an unpopular opinion, but I think the players are pampered and I think they need to get less control not more control because I think they don't know what to fucking do with it. And their incentive structure is far more biased to them getting paid more and play while playing less than to create a better product. I've never heard of a single professional player outwardly tell me something that I'm excited about in terms of what they think a product should look like and the other, or what they should be doing with their, their playing time. The fact that they can choose their calendar, there's no predictability of what to expect from each week. The fact that they're incentivized to play courses that are predictable for them, that may not challenge them the way that they're expecting. The fact that like they're just out of touch from what the consumer really should be seeing or want to be seeing. And I think that's the problem. Sure. I think yeah, that makes I, sense. And that's also like what the PGL offers, right? So they're they're having to show up to these certain tournaments. They have to be there. And you're getting all these top names at one place and that's you know that's part of the reason why the majors are so big you're getting all the best players in one place at the same time and they're competing this is essentially or the idea is essentially you're going to get all those best guys in the world you know in one place at the same time fucking 14 times or and another another thing like being like i i can't even know if you're injured or not like i i can't know like there's so much lack of transparency from players on a on a, a level of like 
personal independence and contractor, you know, ability that like I can just detach myself from the system entirely. Like there's no, there's no consistency to the PGA tour that both makes it a value in the sense that anyone can come be a star at the same time. Like no one can count on the product to be the same thing. Like you yeah, can't follow. Nice. I, I get that. But also like how many like NBA or NFL games do you have to watch at 1030 in the morning on a Thursday on ESPN plus like their platform makes it really hard for people to follow for them to get enough people involved. Is that I'm so confused at what your that's question current is. Golf. That's, that's current what I'm golf. saying. Yeah, yeah well, that's the problem. Like if they could get more into the mainstream, then we wouldn't have to worry so much about all these problems. What I'm saying they are on the mainstream they, though. Fucking on Sundays in the evenings for yeah, the fucking that's, whole that's one round. But you're uh, you're not get you're not like if if you're wanting people to like you, I mean if we're being have it on, Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Sorry. Either way. Yeah. You know, they have it on Thursday, Friday, Saturday in the afternoons on CBS. Like they're in the fuck they have main spotlight. Saturday like they're not gonna, CBS. They're not gonna yeah. fucking put golf on fucking seven, eight hours or however long the entire day every single I mean, we're we're so sh- the issue too with this is like we're so shackled to history and tradition. Like, do you guys actually want to sit down every week and watch golf for four days? Like, do you think the the the, the public okay. wants to spend a hundred right. days of their year watching golf? No, they want to have you know an exclusive number of days that are high importance and like the NFL is the model, right? And like. Their exclusivity, their scarcity in their content is what makes those weeks super valuable to people. And that is the same thing for any commodity sport. Like that's the, that's the whole point of this, but we've diluted and saturated the product for such a long format, like 72 holes is too many. Yes. Like there's so much importance and value in the PGA tour around the best gets rewarded. You get rewarded on a monetary level because of meritocracy until the pip happened. You get you get the the, lar- the longest thing of competition across 72 holes to hopefully get the best possible result in terms of performance. Like those are all pure good intention things for performance related. It's terrible for product. Yeah. Like there's just concessions that have to be made. Like the, the Ryder Cup is the most entertaining piece of golf content and it's match play and it's decided across possibly less than 18 holes. You know how many yeah. people care about the fact that it's not peak meritocracy performance over a long span fucking nobody nobody that's fair yeah i i think i think we're due for a fucking shake up i think it's coming uh it may be fucking five years from now but i i'm really hoping for that um i think i think it could be really cool um i think the biggest problem with that happening right now is the PGA tour. Unfortunately. I, and I, and I think the biggest problem with that is the players and it sounds very mean and vengeful and spiteful, but I don't think change is going to be happening from outside. I don't think the Saudi league, I don't think the PGL, I don't think those things are what's going to change. I think what's going to change has to be a mentality from the players to actually think about your audience, think about your fans, think yeah. about what they're seeing. Cause we've seen players that don't play that week, tune in and see how shitty the product is. And that's not to say that like broadcasters aren't trying to improve 
and systems aren't trying to improve. Like we're seeing CBS make leaps and bounds this year, turning into a, a better product, but still far and away, not nearly as good as the stuff that you see in other sports leagues. And, and the idea here is that like the system has been built to incentivize the dollar, the almighty dollar over everything else, whether it's for the TV advertisers or it's for the players. At the end of the day, like we're not valuing the actual product, we're valuing the ad that it, the ad revenue that it generates across the board and how that then flows itself out to the, the interested part, the interested parties. It has nothing to do with the consumer. Yeah, it's a it's a player driven system, not a a, a customer driven system. And, and to an to an extent, like why fucking shake it up? They make tons of fucking money the way it is. Apparently not enough. Yeah. <laughs> At least for some people. For the top five percent. Like, yeah. I I think I think that's what it really takes. I think it takes self awareness and empathy for the consumer. That like, if this continues to be a shit show, like you won't have fans to cheer for you. You won't have the value of you being a brand ambassador for your endorsement deals if people don't fucking want to watch it. And like, I think the only thing this year that materially actually gets me excited about a better product and things potentially going in the right direction is the Netflix series. That's the only thing that's actually got me optimistic about this is that like, if this does to golf, what it did for F1 and what Liberty media group was able to do with F1 with the kind of changing of the guard and taking the consumer seriously and aiming for lower, like younger demographics and understanding how to like compartmentalize and build great media and like valuing the product, then maybe the PJ Tour will go as well. And I think it just—it's a shift of the old the guard. Do you keep the new audience when your product is so like essentially subpar? Like they tune in, they love the Netflix series, but they tune in to watch golf one week, and it's fucking Valero, fucking uh, VTO, Jordan. What? Speed. It was a no, huge win this last year. Nah, but what what fucking... what better what better way to get instant mass feedback than we're talking tens of millions of giant ratings numbers from Netflix flocking to your weekly product oh, and be like, this is a fucking shit show. This is I nothing like what I wanted to see. I didn't think yeah. about it that way. Like if the Netflix show is doing insane numbers and then like your fucking PGA tour, you know, uh, broadcast is just doing the same numbers if not like not growing at all from that it's like okay well we're probably doing something wrong and it's not like they have to forge into the wilderness of the unknown of this like it's never been done before like literally just copy f1 like their ratings numbers spiked after this and they maintain them after course correction because of it like you do the same thing yes your product is different yes your 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 sport is more difficult to cover yes there's more complexity to it but the end of the matter, the fact of the matter is like, if, this, if what you want is to maintain relevancy and increase ad revenue from your, your viewership numbers and get more people interested in your sport to then pay out players, that's the PGA Tours incentive structure. That is the clearest way to do it because you're talking about short-term gains right now because a product is toxic. Fair. All right, boys. I think uh, th- this, is, this is the uh, the end of tournament talk and and industry talk and i mean do we want to go do we want to go into fucking fantasy standings or are we do we want to call it at that i mean i'm down to going to fantasy but i don't know if y'all are still trying to go on because i know we were talking about like just over an hour and i know it's like two hours now that that was that was my segue into fantasy but (laughs) i know it was and that's why i'm saying this right now but let's do it let's do some fantasy all right.
All right. So for those of you that uh, enjoy the, our talk and care enough to want to listen to our fancy, this is where we're going to be shifting gears and we talk about our fancy league. Uh, we're just through the first kind of month and a half of this thing. Uh, and uh, it's been, you know, a pretty spicy fancy so far. I think we've had a lot of movement. We've had a lot of, uh, you know, Ryan, you're doing better than ever, man. <laughs> Best I've done in a year. For sure. I mean, do you even know where you're at in the standings right now? Yeah, pretty good. You need to also lean closer to wherever you're getting your <laughs> from. <laughs> um, yeah, you're doing good, man. You're you're in the 20 zone on points. Uh, you know, that's you know, far and away, like we're talking like five, ten multiples above what you were doing at the end of last season. And we're talking about just like a month stretch. So yeah. Pretty impressive stuff. Um, running down the order on the, the fancy standings, we've got Ando Squad in first. We got Mitchapalooza in second. The Ramen Cokes in third, which is uh, Tyler's team. He had a name change. Long and Straight in fourth. Jobby Bones, my team in fifth. Kling's Dynasty in sixth. Hales oh, Handicap. Well, sorry, but on Mitchapalooza and Ramen Cokes are actually T2. Yeah, that's true. And then uh, Haley and Dave's teams are tied for what would that be like seventh? Seventh. Um, Jimmy's team uh, ninth, and then Bitch Tit Bandits zero points. Bottom of the bottom of the board. TJ's team. Um, you know what's what's the standout thing when you look across these teams? Like what, what who's the standout stars? Who's the people that you're are overperforming what you're expected? Who's underperforming? You know, well, it's been a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting year so far. The standout thing for me is that the auto drafted team is in T second. Um, I will give him credit for the Seamus powers, St. Seamus powers pickup. Um, he has done well for him, so it's not totally auto-drafted. But he has four points. He's gone back-to-back miscuts, and he still has four points. Yeah, he's uh, he's done well with that team. And uh, I think we all knew that team was going to be good after the draft, um, but it is not disappointing. Um, it'll be... he, also, he also benefited quite a bit from tournaments being added that weren't on at the beginning of the year, like adding the Saudi, adding the... Dubai event, like those things helped his team tremendously with Kokrak and Hatton and Lee Westwood, who haven't yeah. played on the PGA Tour this year. And there were some poor choices made in the previous draft, such as Dustin Johnson being taken third overall, that weighed into his auto drafting going as well as it did. Well, he picked Cantlay. Yeah, but he got Cantlay way later than he should have now. I mean, I mean, put that all on on one pick for for Dustin or one pick for that uh, that Dustin Johnson got picked, right? Like just because Jimmy didn't take Cantlay right then at third or well, no, the point was that Jimmy was supposed to take Morikawa. That was the point. Like it had this auto draft has nothing to do with Dustin Johnson going second. Yeah, regardless, like, I don't think that matters about the Cantlay pick because that's what he got the first round. Like, right? the, the people that made, like, the, the people yeah. who fucked up not taking Cantlay was Jimmy, uh, Andy, TJ, Haley, like, before Mitch got to go. Like, 
got the guy he got way later than he should have. Yeah, yeah. I'm just not. It's not on that one pick though. It's on all those people for not taking Cantlay. Yeah, <laughs> explained it really well. Yeah, I mean, he went. He was number four in the world, soon to be number three, and he was t- he was taken seventh. And he was having he was coming off the hottest stretch besides John Rom. Actually, he was coming off a hotter stretch than John Rom, honestly, in terms of points generation. Like, yes, he shouldn't have been taken seventh without question. You, me, and Dave were the picks after seven. Like we would have taken Patrick Cantlay. Yeah, like I, I don't really with this group. I was just saying that yeah, he went way too late. And that's but why like he's... the rest of his team ended up being good too. Like it just you know auto drafts are auto drafts for a reason, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Th- I no, I think I think Lee West was going to be a shit show for him. I think Lee West is going to not do good for him. I I don't think that's going to have. I mean, staying so, power. We'll see. And if but I'm anyways, being comp- that's yeah, that was I mean, what stands out to me when you asked that question originally. Like what stands <laughs> out, Mitch being in second with the autodraft team. I mean, I think there's a strong possibility that Kokrak isn't playing the tour in a couple of months. He's just going to go live in Riyadh. Like, Retire at 44. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think the autodraft is performing, you know, well so far. Um, I think he made a savvy pickup with Seamus. Um, I'm interested to see how he does after these two missed cuts. If he kind of, maybe he's a, I don't know, maybe he's used all of his gas. I, I, I don't really know. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, the thing that's standing out is, I mean, TJ's team is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're looking at after like, what is this? Seven weeks in? Yeah. Seven weeks in zero points. It's uh, yeah, the problem. One of the problems is that the big boy Bryson is injured and not, not, not running on all cylinders and producing how you want Bryson. And then up until a week ago, he was talking about how he was never going to play PGA Tour golf again, like yeah. <laughs> allegedly, but allegedly. still. And the um, thing is, uh, I, you know, Bryson was on the trade block. Um, I offered. Yeah, so there were definitely some offers out for him, but I guess nothing enticing enough for TJ to bite. Um, but yeah, it's it now he's not going to get anything for him. Like no one's going to be wanting to trade too much for Bryson. Like yeah, yeah, I'll take even it, if but... he came back healthy. Like do we think he has a mental fortitude to I handle the shit fire. that storm is coming his way again for the next like twelve months? I think like... he's got a lot of shit for, thrown at him this you know, the past couple years that like, he's going to be like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I released my statement. I, I wasn't going to be a part of that league. I never th- said I was going to like, yeah, shit yeah, like coincidental time. Yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's tough, tough look seeing a minus one from Tony Finau. That's, that's not yeah, great. Um, Patrick Reed, zero points for him is, not what you want to see uh, from your third pick. But, uh, I mean, I guess I'm in the same boat. My third pick was Webb Simpson. That dude doesn't even play to fucking start since the Sony. <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> I, I, once again, I don't know if you're fucking hurt. You're a professional athlete. You should be required to say yeah. whether you're hurt. Like, it's fucking insane. Like, are you on leave? Are you on so a fucking three-month vacation? Like, what are you doing? Like, there's too much. The players are given too much freedom. Like, what the fuck? I agree, kid, but he was on my team last year. Dump him. 
it won't go well. Get rid of him. I mean, we need to see what he can do. Like, we need to see, like... He could also win the Masters. Like, it's entirely possible. Whoa. Whoa. He's on my team, and I would need... Whoa. (laughs) He might get, like, another top ten, like, the players or something. (laughs) He's talented, but but he's exhausting. uh, Anyway, but... uh, Yeah, The Mossbacks are are doing better than expected. Are they? (laughs) Jimmy. (laughs) He's exactly the position he was in last season. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean by it's better than expected? At at this point, I, you know, I think he's doing pretty good. You know, he's got some points on the board. I I think last year he's almost doubled behind you. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I've got my own issues going on with my team, okay? Yeah, we can get to that. Actually, we just have to go up one spot to that. Dave, what's going on with your team? Um, well, first off, I'd like to just pay a bit of respect to my boys, Chef and Javi. Um, they are carrying this team. Um, I would actually have more points if I had only Chef and Javi on this team and no one else. I currently have 15. I would have 19 if I only had them. Yeah, um, so but it's the rest of my team. It's the rest of my team that uh, is the issue right now. Um, I've already dropped two people and added two people. Um, my boy Taylor Gooch, um, he was doing hot or like he was doing well. I have faith in him. I'm not dropping him or anything, but I I need him to, to get get running again. I need him to start producing again. Corey Connors. Don't know what's going on with him. He was a tried and true player last year. Maybe he's resorting to or falling back to what kid was thinking he was going to do last year. Um, and that could very well be the case. I might need to think about uh, maybe replacing him. Um, currently, I have. Thomas I wouldn't be surprised Peters. if he's injured. Like, it's been a weird drop off. Like, he's a ball striker. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be. Once again, can't disclose. They don't have to disclose injuries. Like, it's just. Yeah. It's, true. it's like hockey. There's no real downside for them to play. Like, it's just a shot at them to possibly make the cut and make some money. Like, if you're on a team with a manager and you're hurt, he wouldn't want you to tank your team's performance so they wouldn't put you out there. Like, but you'd still get a paycheck. You'd be salaried. Like, it would, but it's just one of those things. But you were, you were trying to get so cute with the draft, Dave. You're trying to get so cute but with the also, draft. With Aaron uh, Wise and Carlos hold Ortiz. On, hold, on. hold on, hold on. Let me just say, right now I have... Uh, Thomas Peters and then Denny McCarthy on my team, both of which uh, aren't doing well for me. I think they Thomas Peters might be minus one now because of yeah, the yeah, missed cut this one. week. Yeah, and then uh, Denny is even. I think maybe. Yeah, he's zero points. He's got a top twenty and then a, a missed cut. And is Corey Connors minus one for me? Minus two. Minus two. See, now it's getting night. I have a three strikes, you're out kind of thing. So if he misses one more cut, then he might be on the chopping block. Is that just missing three cuts or is it minus three points? It's minus three points. Okay. So if he gets like a top top 20 or a top 10, he's kind of getting back into good graces. Yes. And that'd be fine. We'd like a top 20. <laughs> well, we can start with top twenty, or you know, like let's let's make babies. Sometimes steps. it can get so bad that it's okay, and they'll no longer get starts. <laughs> but uh, once yeah, again, they're paying for I mean, players. They I'm get spending starts. I'm definitely need to start spending some more time on the uh, just the the website, seeing some potential candidates out there. I've already started, um, but pickings are slim. Pickings are slim. 
Um, but I've got some names out there if I have to, but, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, we're, we're hoping that our boys fucking Javi and chef are going to keep doing what they're doing, keep racking up the points. And then I can find a couple guys that, uh, you know, well, hopefully, you know, hopefully Gooch and Connors write the ship and they start yeah. getting, some you're, points you're, you're quickly running out of trades. So you gotta hope your, yeah. your, your horses come back to. Well, what I what I've phrases. been telling what I've been selling myself is now I have the same amount of, as we did last year, so I just have to go off the same mentality as last year, where I'm doing one per like major, and that's what we're gonna do. And we're that, gonna ride that, that, that out. That, unfortunately, being said, your team's in a much more unstable place than it was last year. This time. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I wasn't uh, doing a whole lot last year around this time either i was down towards the bottom of the the stack like i am now and then didn't you uh, start in first <laughs> after the very first week because harris english won but as soon as that week was over i think tj took over the lead and i didn't Where's take it back three? over for a while. uh like, um, like i said during this around this time last year my team was right around where it was now maybe a little bit higher but uh you know we don't have we don't, I don't, we don't, I don't think so because the bottom three spots are like me, Jimmy and Ryan on gridlock for like the first, like half of the year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I said maybe year. a little bit better, which, you know, I'm T seven right now. Maybe I was six or fifth. So, I mean, anyway, I've got faith in Javi and chef. That's what I know. Yeah. I, without I, question. I, and I definitely yeah. think Gooch can turn it around and write the ship. And I even think he might have a win in one of in them for, you know, one of a, you know, a smaller event. Um, I think I, I, I haven't lost faith in Gooch and we'll see what Connors does. You know, if he, hopefully he can start doing well, but um, we'll see. And maybe I just have to make some good waiver wire pickups by no means. Am I out of it? I've got faith that I can, you know, work my way back up to the top of the leaderboard and hopefully be in a good position for the end. Look, of the season. you just historically have very top heavy teams. Like that's just kind of your style. Like you got carried to your victory with Rom getting like 900 points. Like that's just kind of the, the teams that you and majors majors at a whole different thing. If fucking Javi and chef each get a major this year, like that can put me in some prime position and my major matchups. If I get more points than that, like we got a lot coming. We haven't even had a major this year. It's a long season. I'm in it for the long haul. You know, I'm not looking for early success. I'm looking for that W, that championship at the end of the year. So yeah, yeah I'm I to go back it. to back. I respect it. Right. I think too many people have, uh, you know, flippant mentalities, man. I think he's sticking out for the long hauls about it. I know what the grind from the bottom of the, you know, near the top looks like. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, your team, the team that you share the exact same points with, you share the household with, um, has a very different philosophy. Your team is very top heavy. Uh, Haley might have the most spread out, even earning team in the fucking league. No one, everyone has a point, at least one point, and no one has more than four points. And she has 15 points across her team, like very even spread across the board for her squad. And, uh, she's got to feel pretty good about her boys just going out there, you know, you know, delivering some points. I mean, look at Matthew Wolf in the positive. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, until, this past week, I think she was quite a bit higher up on the leaderboard too. I think. Yeah, she only got one point this week, but that's better than you know going losing down. points like yeah. the old Mossbacks. I mean, if or, you can put together a team that each week is putting some points on the board, like in the long run, you would think you you would do pretty well. And that's what my team is. Not to go back to my team, but like I've been losing a lot of points, but my guys have been making it a net positive. So that's a good yeah, thing. for sure. 
Um, Clint's team, I think it's the one on paper that like probably should be doing better than where he's at right now. But I don't like know. Sam, TJ's, Sam, TJ's should be doing much better than it's doing. Like with the names on his team, fucking Bryson Finau, uh, Patrick Reed, <laughs> like. He's got no points. <laughs> yeah, those three guys together combined for minus three points, and all of his points are coming from Matthew Fitzpatrick with four and then Cam Davis with one. Um, <laughs> if if TJ makes it this far in this podcast, which I, d- which I doubt he will, um, he should know that Cam Champ is a it's, – it's a tough hang, man. Like, everyone loves Cameron Champ when he goes out and he wins one tour event each year, but then they tend to forget when he misses the other 35 that he starts and he goes into. So it's, uh, it looks great for his bank account, but not so much for a fancy roster. The uh, Clint's dynasty, or Kling's dynasty, though, I mean, like, is going to keep producing. Like, we saw it this week. The guy's just he's, – he's just not going anywhere. Like, he's just going to be around. I think the thing that's surprising for a lot of people – that were high in Sam Burns. He's at negative two points right now for his team. And he was a second hmm. pick for him. Yeah, he hasn't done much since the uh, you know, the season kind of started. All right, or our season as yeah. far as fantasy goes. And then top earner on his team, though, Hideki Matsuyama. Like, and look, it's it seems like Hideki's coming back into form. Like I, the crazy thing is, is that I think this is like the same form Hideki that there was when he was like number two in the world, but just like the field is just so insane now that like, I think like there's a chance that like Hideki is going to put up another banner year for a squad. Like I think Hideki might come out of this, this season with like 30 points, which is a lot. Like, (laughs) (laughs) well, I mean, our, our, our new structure is a little bit easier to get to 30 though than last year. Yeah, that's true. But uh, you some you get some top fives going, then you rack them up pretty fast. Yeah, I mean the rest of his team has performed better than I expected. I mean I expected Stuart Sink to be in negative points from which he is, but Cameron Tringali and Christian Bazain, uh, like both of them having positive points for him right now, I think is like it's a good thing to see. Like those are the guys <laughs> you thought might want to like they might see the the, the chopping block at a at a real relatively quick clip here, but uh. Sometimes a triangle comes through. He came through for me for at least like a point or two toward the end of the season, but he's a, he's a roller coaster ride for sure. Jumping up to fifth spot is my squad. I don't really need to get too deep on us. I don't think we're really even coming to form yet. I think altogether we've probably like had less than 20 starts across the entire, <laughs> like we have six present team. We've played very little. So I'm interested to see what happens with my team. Um, I've made one trade. I cut Ricky after he went uh, back to pass Miss Cuts in his first two starts. I'm not going to die on that train for a second year in a row. Um, I think it's uh, pretty telling that he has not been picked off the waiver wire. Like the guy doesn't look good. Doesn't look good. It would have been missed like three cuts in a row um, if I had kept him for the waste management. Was close to being four cuts in a row, but I think he made the cut on the number at Riv. Um, but uh, swapping out for Jason Day, who was supposed to make me points at Pebble Beach, went from being like T fifth on the start of Sunday to like shooting like four over on Sunday and then falling like down to like T22, which is just chef's kiss a week from Jason Day. But the uh, rest of my team, Webb Simpson hasn't even played for me this season yet, except for Sony. Um, Brooks missed a cut for me this week, which wasn't great. Um, 
he's actually missed two cuts for me with the farmers as well. He's got one point for my team. Rory doing Rory things, top tens, top twenties, top fives. Um, he's only started in three tournaments for me, but he's made points in all of them. I, I think Rory's looking fairly good. Backdoor his way into a top ten this week. Um, but my top earner at a lopsided ten points, Joaquin Neiman. Six pointer for the win. He's gotten two top tens for me. So squad's looking okay. I just want to see us play more. That's the main thing for my squad. Yeah. How do you feel about Jay Day going forward? Yeah, we'll see. I don't really know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I have no. Like, he was looking really good at Farmers. <laughs> I mean, he was. We'll see what happens. Like, yeah. I, I think I would rather take the bet on Jason Day than anyone who's on the waiver wire right now. Like, that's fair. Like he's got the pedigree. If he misses, if he misses a cut or two, like in the next month, then like, yeah, I'll probably cut him. Like best of luck to anyone who picks him up. But like, at least I get to first write a refusal, right? Like I get to see if there's upside or not. Yeah. I was just seeing where your head was at with him, you know? I mean, yeah. Pebble Beach stung a little bit. Like he was in the top 10 or top five on Sunday and he falls all the way outside the top 20. Like it's not super fun. Um, but hey, I, I don't, I, Jason Day is not my favorite player. He's got players. good history. He's got good history at match play. I don't think he'll be there though. Right. Yeah. I don't think he's qualified into match play. <laughs> he's won though in the past. So that's why I say that. Um, you know, the only thing I can really hope for is maybe like, he'll have like a, a banner week, like, you know, through the Florida swing, if he even plays in the Florida swing, he's notorious for going to Florida swing events and then. WDing from them. WD. Yeah. Got back this year. Yeah. And then goes to Disney World and rides oh, roller Ryan, coasters. How, how's, uh, how's it feeling with your team, my guy? How yeah. Next spot up. My team feels really good. Uh, I got really fortunate in the draft. Uh, there were some choices that were made. And I took uh, the Golden Boy, which was Pete, mm. and Vander. And uh, they've worked out well for some top 10, some top 20. Um, Nod Dog is still hanging in there. He's on my team forever. Adam Scott had a really good week this week with the top five. Um, and then I got Siwoo, so and Billy Horschel, I think top 20. No, I'm not sure. Oh, hold on. <laughs> But yeah, well, having, didn't play this week. Having uh having the old Shoffley and Speeth combo is a nice one to rely on. It was pretty I'm, ridiculous at number nine and ten pick. Um I think they'll both win this year. So I'm feeling good about that. Um and like I said, Adam Scott wearing the same sweater all week and finishing top five this week didn't hurt at all. I mean, that's pretty wild, the fact that he wore the same sweater all week and still got top five. Yeah. He did not change <laughs> one day. So I want to know if that was the same sweater or if they sent him four of them. I bet it's the same sweater. I think it probably was. But, I mean, it's on top of, like, the clothes he was wearing, so I don't think it's that crazy. Yeah. He probably washed it maybe after Friday. Maybe. Hopefully. Yeah. I can see, like, Playing Thursday with it on, playing Friday with it on, going back, getting it washed at the hotel or Airbnb. Yeah, kind of a weird two weeks for Spieth though, like kind of like in contention, but like around 
like the end of Friday, both of the waste management and, and Riv. Not contention because Joaquin Neiman at, at Riv was just yeah. running away at the beginning, but like he was playing good golf on the, 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 the during the week on both weeks, and then like kind of just like no showed on the the, the, the weekend, both weeks. It's kind of weird. classic the last couple years where he has a, a really good two days and then he just kind of falls apart and fizzles out. Yeah, it was kind well, of like waste, the speed of 2020 last year was his reemergence kind of, right? He was going nuts. Um, so, you know, it's not exactly that of last year, but I've got faith faith that he'll put it together for you. And we'll uh, win this year. Yeah, I think I think he'll knock another one out. Hopefully it's at Augusta, but. I mean, he was in the mix to potentially win at Pebble this year, like in the same yeah. way he was the previous year. So I think like there's flashes of the same sort of stuff, but. Yeah, I think speed is going to be a fairly strong point skater. But, yeah, your team right now is being led by the Scotsman. Mm-hmm. Jumping up, it. jumping up to the, uh, the third, the tied for second spot in the, in the league, uh, the Raman Cokes, uh, you know, I don't think Tyler. surprisingly enough, it's a pretty well spread out team. Um, but the uh, – He's being led by John Rom, as a team like this would. It is named the Rom and Cokes. You don't think you'd be the leader, but with nine points, so not the leading in the league by any means. Quite a few people earning more points than him um, in this league. But, you know, we're still getting started. He is just going to stick around. I mean, this is his worst performance of the year so far. And it was a T21. So he was like one player away from being in points. So, um, you know, he's, he's not going anywhere. Like he's going to be in yeah, that Rob's top three spot doing of earning thing. points. The question is like, will these other guys continue to perform? Like, look, I love the boy, but like, did I know Sanjay M had four points already this year for him? Fucking no. I did not know that. Hell yeah, Sanjay. <laughs> That's pretty sick. Um. Abe answer, Max Homa. Like, honestly, someone should get in Tyler's here. He might want to consider dropping Max then. Like, yeah, he's got three points for him, and it's, it's a great start to the year, but, like, the West Coast swing is over. Like, do, do we drop Max? <laughs> do we drop Max? <laughs> he's always has the potential to rattle off a win. It's just a matter of if you want to hold on to him, if you think he's going to miss cuts or not. But, you know, I, Eric uh, Van Royen, who he he dropped uh, Mito Pereira for, uh, has four points for him. I mean, the the rage quitting, T-box breaking Eric Van Royen earning some fucking dough for his squad, matching Sungjae. Didn't see it coming. Sungjae. He's the boy, dude. Yeah. It's kind of easy to get to four points, though. It just takes a top five and a top 20. Yeah, tell that to your team, Dave. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, I'll tell it right to fucking Scotty days. and Victor, who have both won. But not the other 60% of your team. <laughs> yeah. Actually, 66% of your team. Um, what can I say, man? It's what, whatever gets the job done. Uh, matching in T2 at 23 points, the auto draft team. We really should just rename this team to auto draft, but <laughs> <laughs> um, Mitchell Palooza, uh, Patrick Cantley leading the squad with 11 points, 
Louis Dazen, one point, only played one start so far, got a top 20. Um, Jason Kokrak, one point. I think he got it in Saudi. No, he got it in Sony. How do you not get points in Saudi? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's on your fucking back. <laughs> right. Um, Tyrrell Hatton with five points. That happened from getting a uh, top five in Dubai and a top 10 in Abu Dhabi. Um, he always does pretty well at those events. I don't know what, what, what else he does after that, but Lee Westwood, positive points for this squad. Ryan, how does that make hey, you feel? It's hurtful. Really? <laughs> it's a- I cut him one week early. I get it. Um, He's here to play. I mean, that being said, he got a top 20 in Abu Dhabi and like that field wasn't like the strongest in the world. Like, I think once he comes back stateside, like if he does it all, like he won't do much for his team. I mean, he started in Dubai and Saudi and he didn't get any points in either of them. So it's not like he's playing like stellar golf. Yeah. Um, Seamus Powers, we talked about him briefly, four points for his team, even though he has two back-to-back miscuts the last two weeks. Great pickup still. Like, hopefully he bounces back out of that little slump he's in. But looking really good. Um, and then the number one team in the league, um, 27 points, uh, Ando squad. Pretty well balanced out, except for zero points with Ryan Palmer, um, to be expected. <laughs> but... Uh, the rest of his team looking good. I mean, like Mark Leishman and Kisner, like surprised that they have four points for his, his squad already. Um, Tommy Fleetwood with three points. Um, you know, Ryan, who's not at the Zoom anymore, he's, he's taken off, uh, you know, talked mad shit about Tommy Fleetwood at draft. And he's got himself three <laughs> points for Tommy Fleetwood uh, so far this league. Uh, that being said, they were all in the Middle East. Um, Tommy Fleetwood may not return to the PJ tour for a little while. Actually, no, I think he's playing in Honda next week. I don't know what I'm talking about. He's playing in the Honda. Um, he drives a Honda Odyssey. That's cool. That's real cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then tied for points earners on his team with eight and eight apiece is Cameron Smith and JT. Um, Cameron Smith uh, won Kapalua, got a top five at the Saudi or Pebble Beach. I don't know which one he actually played in. I think Saudi, though. Um, and then uh, he got a miscut zone. But, uh, yeah, team's looking balanced between him and JT leading the pack. Um, but, yeah, strong strong start of the season for those bottom guys, Leishman, Kisner, and Fleetwood for Ando squad. Looking, looking steady. Looking yeah, steady. and this, is, this wouldn't be the first time Ando won this league. He's won it before in the past, and his team's sitting on top right now. So it's not... He's no stranger to being up on top, and uh, we'll see what he uh, ends up doing. Yeah, it's it's, no, it's not a fluke for him, right? The first year, Ando won by a ton. No, I think it. I think it was a considerable victory. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the that's the update on the fantasy league. You know, we're only seven weeks in for a let's see if we get this right a thirty-seven week season so a little bit under 20 percent of the way through this this fantasy season yeah we haven't had a major yet and the major weeks are very lots can happen lots of movement 
Um, so yeah, which which teams do we think are best suited to kind of perform in these majors? Because we, you know, I think a certain crop of guys show up at majors, and I'm just wondering which teams seem to stand out. Well, I'll to tell be... you for my team, I'm just hoping for Scheffler and Javi to do well in them, and my other guys not to miss the cut. So I'm hoping they're going to do well and produce enough points for for me to beat my opponent and get the points from that, and then whatever points I get from them, and hopefully a win at one of them from you know. If we started, if we started uh, the what the fuck? If we started a major right right now, Dave, you would be matched up against. You were ahead of Haley last week before you guys got to even points, so you would get actually up against. You'd be in sixth in that order, so you'd be playing against. Uh, no, you'd be seventh in that order. You'd be playing against what is that fourth, which would be. Yeah. Ryan's team. So you guys would be, this is perfect for the call. Yeah. You guys would be in a major matchup side by side, which would be Xander, Spieth, Kevin Na, Billy Ho, Adam Scott, and Siwoo Kim versus Victor Hovland, Sky Chef, Corey Connors, Taylor Gooch, Thomas Peters, Denny McCarthy. Are we sure Denny McCarthy will be there? <laughs> well, if we're talking about Augusta, probably not. Um, is he in the top 50 in the world or was he when no. they did the invitations? He, there's zero percent chance, yes. So at Augusta, I I don't even I don't even know what Victor Hovland's record is at Augusta. I know Scotty played, played for the um I mean, Xander has gotten Ryan, a T2 Ryan there. Speeth has Ryan won has the Masters. And Scott and they've both and, won. And Xander's yeah. top five there, I think, twice. He's gotten T or he's got T2 yeah. for one of and them. And I think we were talking about whenever we first picked the teams, and we're talking about that Ryan's team has like quite a bit of majors on it, right? We or, do. Um, yeah, we feel pretty good about our majors. I, I wouldn't say a lot of majors. You have you have three with speed, and you have one with Adam Scott. Like, yeah, it's lopsided with speed, but nobody else in your team has a major well like, uh, maybe I, I wasn't really saying like I, uh, I said quite a bit of majors but i mean like he get, he has guys that will do good in majors yeah because i've got nine majors on my team <laughs> okay i and i remember saying i've got no majors actually 10 i got 10 majors on my team i've got fourth rory fourth brooks one with webb one with jason day so yeah. 10 that might be the most of anyone on this on this list probably is but we're not worried about even the Mossbacks who have Phil with five and DJ with two. <laughs> I mean, the Mossbacks have Phil Mickelson, who may never return to the no, PGA Tour, and that was a terrible pick at the draft. We were yeah, hazing him even then. Like, yeah. oh, and I goodness. said it as a joke. I think remember I said it jokingly. I was like, "Who's gonna pick Phil or some shit like that?" And Jimmy's like. Ooh. <laughs> Phil, I should pick him. <laughs> uh, at least he's he's loyal to his squad because he was like defending him hard in the group chat, like <laughs> with everything going on. I was like, dude, is he pointing out how crazy the PJ Tour is with all their money? <laughs> I, I I think yeah, I think I've got the most majors, boys. So I think we're our, my squad looks deadly in majors, dude. Deadly. I'm yeah. not scared of your squad. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. We, we won got, this we'll past see week. how it actually shakes I've out. I've got several of your Wolfpack boys in my team, so. Several? You have two of them. And also, Shoffley might be seeing the door soon from the Wolfpack. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
he was saying kid was saying he might have a new addition to his wolf pack mm. super, super bowl sunday was saying that i don't know if he's got he he's feeling like saying who it might be now but i i, I certainly could end the pot saying. on it i i could it, you <laughs> know it's it, it, just close this so, out kid yeah close this if you want to if you're really feeling like a new member to the wolf pack is is coming to light but you're that gonna have like to say good good, you're gonna have to say goodbye to someone and if that's shoffley that's a wild wild thing i know because I, I i do I, I do feel it's it's tough seeing him in saudi man it's tough seeing xander go over and play there when that dude has so much fucking money like why why dude like it's in, it's just wild i i everything else i vibe so hard on but like it's it's tough it's a tough it feels look. like there's a trigger to be pulled <laughs> i'll tell you what matthew wolf played saudi and he's not going anywhere on my wolf back oh, fuck he's so far from my i fucking hate matthew wolf it's with a heavy heart boys oh man it's, Whoa. it's with it's with a heavy heart that we have to not with great animosity or with vengeful spirit spirit but with a, a solemn heart and you know hope for growth and wishing him the best to hopefully find some empathy and and, and just improve however he can we will be sending off Xander Shoffley from the wolf pack fuck oh he's Whoa. <laughs> this one is of the guys one of the guys who I thought was in the top of the wolf pack, like the alpha wolf, potentially. He's, he's Guys, beta. He, he, I mean, he was firmly in the wolf pack. Right. He was. That's how if seriously shows, I take this. If anything shows, anybody can be cut from kids' wolf pack. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Anyone can be cut from a wolf pack. <laughs> well, hey. I, I, this isn't in i don't love involuntarily like on this like this is like a, a, the wolf pack has to maintain certain standards like sure and you're that's your wolf pack man i run my wolf pack completely different. his wolf pack is total fantasy we have to get into dave's wolf pack um but you know that does mean there is a vacancy on the squad and there is someone that i have been infatuated with for for some time there's there's there's, honest, there's obviously there's, uh, there's obviously been someone that i focus quite a bit of time talking about and i you know i root for him very hard and it you know it's a it's a tough it, it's a tough decision to make because there's really just two guys that have just been amazing like they've just been they've been the boys it's been it's been it's been good. It's been good with these two guys. And I've, I've really liked seeing them grow and develop on the tour and just really bring a, a really wonderful it, spirit. What are you talking about two guys? And, <laughs> and I've had to, I've had to decide between the two and it, it, it really made the decision-making really tough. You know, it made a lot of this, you know, are you making your decision right now? Is that why you're dragging? Yeah, no, he so has long? no idea who is. <laughs> no, it's not because of that. It's because, I almost need to make more space. <laughs> but, uh, the wolf pack is, but, the wolf but, pack is but, guys. No, I mean, like, I may have to. <laughs> oh, take someone else off. Holy shit. Yeah. But no, we're not doing that. That's not, that's not what's happening. That would be a historic moment. We'll be, we'll be continuing to expand our borders. 
um, and welcoming true wolves of the north. We'll be taking on our Norwegian Victor Hovland into our wolf pack. Oh, I respect oh that move. God. Welcoming Vicky Hov. Just really Hov showing me what I want to see. He's he's officially in the wolf pack. I'm a fan of it. He's on my uh, fantasy squad, so I know how he he acts, how he lives, his you know his day in day out schedule. Um, I'd be lying if it wasn't the fact that he just no more than twelve hours after missing the cut at the Phoenix Open, he immediately goes to the Grand Canyon to just vibe out. (laughs) Yeah, you really like that about his outdoor mentality, and just like all 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 of it, all of his social media presence is great. The way he carries himself on the course is great. His lackadaisical kind of demeanor, like. He just seems to be he's he a happy seems to, guy. He, and he just seems to be bringing positivity out of everybody around him too. And he just he just seems like he means well all the time. And that's the sort of atmosphere that I want to see kind of, you know, exuded in my wolf pack. And I, I don't see that um, you know, from most guys out on tour. And so I'm happy to welcome him alongside Rory McElroy, our Alpha Wolf, Jordan Spieth. JT, Sung JM, and now Victor Hovland. <laughs> Sung J. Well, kid, that was a beautiful ceremony. I feel yeah. this has gone far too long. Well, to quick, quick, quick word, though. Quick word before I go. It was, it was a tough decision. It was a tough decision because we, we do, you know, there if there is a satellite yeah, wolf out said, there. You said goodbye to Shoffley, man. We get it. <laughs> No, I wanted to say that like I, it was a tough decision to not like waiting out in the wings for a while now with our squad waiting to be inducted in has been the chef. Like we want chef in the wolf pack, but it's my, my, my heart. My heart only has so much room in it for a wolf pack. I wish I could expand the pack. I mean, it's just I wish I could. We love so deeply and so so much in our squad, but. Oh. It, it, Everybody knows wolves run groups of five, and you can't have any more. So, um, it's good to hear that Javi has found himself a pack to run with. And yeah, uh, first pack for Javi. It was yeah. a fun podcast, boys. Um, waste management, Riv, the fucking Saudi League. Lots, lots we talked about, and I think it was a, a good one. But it was fun. Um, We'll uh, have to do it again, definitely before the Masters, probably for match play. Absolutely. All right. Peace, boys. Later, boys. Later.